The world is full of wonders. Magic is waiting in small moments. And monsters might be watching, just out of sight. But if you're looking to find them, adventure is waiting to happen. You never know who you'll meet along the way. We are the Storyteller Squad. Hello, adventurers. Welcome back to the Storyteller Squad. Thanks for joining us for more Monster of the Week. Before we begin, let's check in with our heroes. Ugh, I hate it when they play hard to get because I'm Damien Edgecrest. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we have to try really hard to find the people that we are chasing as an Eastie agent, and sometimes they just fall from the sky and land on you. I'm Raven Eugenia. God. (laughs) Nice, nice. I'm really flattered, mystery magic woman I've definitely never met before, but I'm spoken for. I'm Ariel Valentine. (laughs) (laughs) I am Vengeance. I am the Knight. I am wondering why my Whitaker sense is going off. What in the world? I'm Hugo Rashad. (laughs) (laughs) I love you with my whole heart, and I'm going to steal someone else's and love you with that, too. Protected a whole warehouse of gnomes, and all I've got to show for it is a ruined suit jacket and a Futch Queen Edward Elric as a captive. I'm Agent Whitaker, and as per usual, I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. Oh, that got me. Oh. You win some, you lose some, and sometimes you don't end up on top. That's just life. <laughs> I'm Aiden Brightwood. Let's. Have an adventure. I fully spat all over my monitor. <laughs> I can't be normal about any of these <laughs> All bangers tonight. Oh. I warned you it was spicy for Aiden. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no, but I needed that. I needed that so bad. My tension headache is officially gone. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. You've laughed it away. Oh, my God. I'm cured. Last time, our heroes. The ones working for the Eastie Agency were assigned to protect the Gnomish Artificers Guild from attack on the night of a rare and precious materials delivery. However, the gang of Dr. Victoria Salem, the artifice witch, was already ready to cause a distraction and to strike when the Gnomish Vault was opened to steal what magical secrets might be contained within. Ariel Valentine, Dr. Salem's partner in crime, and perhaps in other ways too, was captured at the end of the episode when Dr. Salem herself seemingly betrayed her criminal partner and left her in the hands of the Eastie agents. And we also had a little check-in with Hugo at the community center and a brief glimpse of him wandering off into the night with one Dr. Aranya Kabe. We are going to pick up at the site of the attack on the guild where Ariel Valentine has been subdued uh, by one Aiden Brightwood. As she should. (laughs) 
And the gnomish workers and their other employees are now seeing to the wounded, taking stock of what was taken, and just sort of recovering, and maybe some of them are in shock, from this very upsetting experience that they all went through tonight. Agents, what do you do? Raven's getting up and dusting herself off after the little tumble she took with Val. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Just a little shaken up. That was weird. Aiden will reach into one of her like little belt pouches uh, and pull out some restraints uh, and put them on Val. Well, at least we got one of them. <sighs> yeah. Damien's reporting to his senior agent to see what he should be doing. Start taking statements from all of the gnomes who are still, you know, conscious and talking and able to talk. Is Val's book around? She was using it, so probably. Yeah. Whitaker's going to pick it up and would he remember, do you think, uh, the events of our little episode zero? It's a pretty memorable vacation that you all took together. I would think so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is a good point, though. It's probably in cuffing you, Val, that Aiden realizes, like, wait, it's you? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because I don't think she had seen you uh, last episode, really, like up close enough to be able to tell. No, the only one who got up close was Raven. And it was awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the hair's new, but I'd remember the book anyway. Whitaker shows them the the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not unconscious, Val. You were stunned, but... Okay, so she's just like, ow. Yeah. Cool. I think she's like laying on the ground for a second, and maybe for a split second, she was like, okay, I'm just going to lay here. But then they're talking about the book and stuff like that. I think she was faking being unconscious, and now she's going to like open her eyes and just slowly try to sit up in some fashion. I think her hair is kind of stuck to her face a little bit, so she tries to, like, <laughs> toss it out of her face. I love the very, like, L'Oreal. She probably would recognize Raven and Aiden, at least from, like, TV. Mm-hmm. I have yet to decide how well she would remember Damien and Whitaker. Actually, I feel like Damien would be pretty standout with the weird eyes. And his signature aesthetic. Yeah, and just the aesthetic. Whitaker's probably the one she forgot. <laughs> You'd only know Whitaker if you were, like, interested in Easty press statements. Yeah. He's not on the sensational side of the PR. Okay, so then if that's the case, she's just going to look up at Aiden, who punched her, <laughs> and give her this cheeky smile and just go, I've seen you on the news. I'm a fan of your work. You could work on that right hook a little bit, though. I remember you being bold. I think you're the first thief I've met to critique how they were caught. (laughs) Raven, read a bad situation. Ooh. That's an eight total. One question. What's the biggest threat? You remember this woman trying to electrocute you with her hand, which is still attached to her and very near your girlfriend right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Fuck. Despite being in manacles. Hmm. That's probably playing out in the open now, isn't it? The glove is off. The glove is literally off. (laughs) (laughs) You can see now that it is this artificed hand, similar to what the other gang members were using outside. I think Raven is walking around Val to get a good look at her and sees the hand. And I think motions to Aiden to kind of step back away from her a little bit. Mm. Just give her some space. In kind of like a warning, like glances down at the hand like, Okay. Yeah, she'll catch your like glance and nod i think she puts a hand on val's shoulder and says all right come on we're gonna take you in in like a if i keep you occupied and take charge of where you're going then you're less likely to like try anything funny do we have to i'm having so much fun here you've got a lot to answer for think you can afford to replace that 
And she gestures at the ruined window above the exit. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I mean, she'll get to her feet. Like, what else is she going to do? Damien, you're going to go ask or talk to the other gnomes who are around? Yeah, which I imagine should be a pretty simple, straightforward gig because it's just going to be six different versions of, and then I was electrocuted and knocked unconscious. I think the people who come up to talk to you or who you get pointed to by lower position employees who like don't have any authority on the working floor would be the like guild leaders. You see three gnomish artificers who have very fancy little pins on their work vests that they have with big pockets with little tool sets clipped onto the pockets and like little pins that seem to denote rank or achievements within the guild. And one of them comes up to you and she says, Good Master Tally, thank you so much for stopping well, most of the uh, burglary. Did you learn anything about the people trying to steal our materials? Yeah, I'm Damien Edgecrest, happy to help. Sorry, we couldn't be more effective. But uh, chainsaw arms and uh, multiple people sneaking in and turning invisible. They seem to be some sort of an artificer group, uh, but we are still working on getting more information about the uh, the whomsts are involved here. You see there's a sort of older looking gnome next to Tally who sort of grumps and like puffs on a little pipe that he's got. He's puffing on it like he's smoking it, but bubbles are coming out of it. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do have some drone recording of the uh, some of the assailants, so we should be able to use that for some identification, and we can cross-reference what's already in our database. So uh, hopefully we'll have some updates shortly. Tally nods and says, well, thank you. Um, I'm going to go check on our other employees who were attacked uh, and make sure we get them to a hospital if we need to. Borrow! A sort of younger-looking gnome who shares a passing resemblance to both Tally and the, the older gentleman comes running up in his little elven pointy-toed shoes with a little cap that has a jingly bell on the top of it. <laughs> he runs over. Yeah, Ma, what is it? And she says, follow this one around. If they need any information, you tell them where it is. Oh, sure. Hi. My name's Borrow. And he like, offer a hand to you, Damien. <laughs> Damien will shake. Perfect. Uh, Borrow, I need to get some statements. But uh, if you could show me around to the people who were working earlier today, that way I can see if maybe they picked up on something. Maybe not all of them got perfectly ambushed from behind and knocked out immediately. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I know everybody in the plant. Yeah. And I can show you where, you know, they hit the vault and... Uh, I'll, uh, I'll look at the inventory list and, and see what uh, they got away with, if anything. I know some, one of the crates spilled, but uh, we're weighing that now to see if anything actually uh, was taken. But yeah, I appreciate everything you did. Uh, I saw some of the fighting you were doing outside. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, Damien's writing in a little notebook, and it's really just the, the gnomes' names and everything, so he doesn't forget because he will forget otherwise. Yeah. Can you roll me a sharp check? Just straight sharp. Yeah. Eight. Okay. I'll give you a choice. Is Damien's perception right now very narrow or is he sort of like half glazed eyes trying to like take in everything? Ooh, I think he's got to be doing the second because everyone else is going to be picking up. Oh, maybe maybe there's this boot print or maybe there was this picture or, you know, let's weigh this and see what was stolen. So I think he's trying to 
do the thing where he squints and sort of imagines the people in this sort of like the ghost vision of them, like walking in through the ceiling mm-hmm. and coming in and going in through the vault door and, you know, hearing the people from outside. Sure. As he's trying to replay it in his mind. As Baro leads you outside to talk to some of the other gnomes who like engaged and were fighting alongside the rest of Rogue Team against the Artifice gang members, I'll tell you what you missed and what you find outside for choosing the one option over the other. What you miss is once you're out of earshot, Tally turns to her dad, Reed, who's sort of like the grandpa artificer gnome. He says to her, Told you we should have thought about hiring some protection. And she says, Dad, I've told you before, we are not making deals with Drake Fowler. He'd ruin us the minute he had his hooks in this place. We see that from our camera view. But then we follow Damien outside. And when you get out there, as you're sort of taking in, replaying the fight scene in your mind, you recall as you're trying to like bring all that information back right away, seeing at one point in the fight, Wendy firing one of their quills at someone and pinning them to the wall of the building. And you now see that Wendy is over there just trying to tug down this full artificed arm that seems to have been abandoned here by the person that was attached to it in order to get away. Fuck yeah, that's evidence, baby. That's good evidence. Oh, Wendy, high five, man. (laughs) High five. They hop over to you, do a little front flip and high five you. (laughs) Which is good because Damien wasn't dropping down low. He's his hand up high and yeah. when he can do the backflip, double jump, triple jump to get up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they point at this like score that they've landed. Perfect. They seem super proud. <laughs> Damien will take some pictures. He'll go to grab it. And then before he touches it, he'll think back, you know, these guys tend to like shocking abilities and all sorts of blades and stabby things. So we're going to leave it here until the uh, the demagic artificers can uh, grab it properly. Okay. That's maybe a fun time to cut over to Whitaker. Whitaker, have you called in like a cleanup crew or something? Or? Yeah, he's called in medical for the gnomes and he's called in, let's get someone who can make sure Val gets processed without any issue. All right. Yeah. Drivers show up that can escort your team and your prisoner back to the agency or like the the division of like agency holding, you know what I mean? Like not HQ, but like it's a separate compound that's been established now for the processing of supernatural criminals and folks that are brought in for different illegal activity. Yeah. Anything you want to do on the scene before we like wrap up this immediate post encounter scene? Sure. I'd like to see if there's any information on the crystals that the bad guys were targeting. If we can get any more info on that and if they have other purposes than just they're powerful. Hmm. Okay. So this would be a conversation you'd have to have with either Borrow or his mom, Tally, the guild leader. Yeah. So I think it's a manipulate someone to like get the guild to share what precious thing from their vault that they were keeping secretly locked away was taken from them, you know? Yeah, I like that. Go ahead and roll manipulate someone. All right. Rolling with the minus one, because I'm not very charming. (laughs) Oh, it's still a 10, though. It's still a 10. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. It's still a 10. He's going to go to Tally, Guildmaster Tally, after she sent Damien outside. Tell me about the goods they were targeting. I saw one of them were looking to get one of those boxes of crystals. What sorts of things can you do with a good like that? Beyond commonplace stuff, I mean. Tally will sit with you. She's got like a cheap watery coffee in a styrofoam cup that someone from the agency has brought to like give to people. Sort of bring the adrenaline down with warm drinks and that sort of thing. 
She is looking over a list and checking things as the rest of the shipments are actually being brought into the vault and loaded in. She stops a couple of her workers and has them open the crate. And she shows you, she says, most of what we were bringing in was rare gems and things like that. Uh, the gems help to focus the magic of our artifice uh, when we install them in devices. So different gems achieve different effects. But seems, based on the weight and the cargo we're bringing in right now, that they made off with maybe a handful or two of those. And she continues to glance down the list and she gets to a section where Borrow has circled something and put like a star next to it. And she says, oh no, um... They seem to have taken something that was already in the vault. And she kind of bites her lip like she's a little reticent to say out loud what was taken. If we know what was stolen, the quicker we can find it and get it returned to you. Especially if it's something dangerous. Oh, it's dangerous. It's a philosopher's stone. Ooh. With that, these artificed thugs, they'll be able to build all sorts of machines and devices and power them indefinitely. I mean, a Philosopher's Stone is an unlimited supply of magical energy. It breaks the laws of magic and physics. Brilliant. All right. We use it for very specific cases where we need a high energy output that we otherwise can't produce by normal means. Please, if you can get it back for us. That's, oh boy, we're going to have a lot of projects set back. Gosh. That is now on the top of the priority list. Is there any way to trace it? It's a very powerful magical object. Is there any energy signature that can be traced? Did you all make it or did you find it? It's been passed down through the, the Gnomish families for a while. Philosopher's stones are incredibly rare and very hard to make and, and kind of taboo to make, to be honest. I don't even know that our family still knows the procedure for that. We've just sort of been using the one because they last so long. Yeah, I... I don't recall it giving off any sort of unusual signature. It really only activates when the energy within it is called upon. What types of things is it most commonly used for? I don't want to assume the people who stole it don't know how to use it. Any kind of powerful artifact. It can enhance. It can power large artifice devices. They have been used in rituals before for dark magics. It's a limitless battery. So when I go looking for a trail of destruction that'll lead to this, it could be literally any trail of destruction? Well, any leads you have on this particular gang probably would help you uh, narrow the field, but depending on what their intentions are, your job might get a lot harder in the next couple of weeks. Appreciate that. Thank you. Good luck. She sort of gives you the look of like, you think your job's going to be harder? I just lost my <laughs> limitless reactor. <laughs> we'll get it back. It's fine. We'll find it. <laughs> How hard can it be to find a limitless reactor in Portland? <laughs> Question is, is it still in Portland? Season three takes place in Portland. It better still be in Portland. <laughs> <sighs> Anything else? Raven, you want to look around? You want to give Wendy a pat for finding the evidence? <laughs> oh, she's so proud of Wendy. No. <laughs> I think she would just give the inside area another once over to make sure there's nothing else that was dropped, especially since we picked up Val's book. Just kind of seeing if there was anything else she can find that anyone from the crew might have left behind. Hmm. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Like they've got the whole team looking. Because it was only it was only Val and Victoria in the plant. That's right, yeah. And the people that all left, left together. And so, yeah, I don't think there'd be much left behind. Other than like the glass that they cut out of the ceiling, you know, like the skylight. Yeah, so that was a skylight. 
if Raven still has the the Storm Spirit cloak activated, I think she would try to get up to where that skylight is and maybe go out it onto the roof just to see if there's anything on the roof, any indication of where they might have gone, how they got up there. Like, Okay, here's what I'll say. You get up on the roof and actually you find two more gnomish guards who had been knocked out and are just unconscious up on the roof. Oh. So you can go over to them and, and help them get down and things like that, make sure they're okay. So you know that clearly the approach was the roof. Yeah. It's another indication that this Val person who you met while you were on vacation is clearly a pretty dangerous and capable criminal. Yeah, this was like organized and planned out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she would, as long as the gnome guards up there like conscious now, she'd scoop them both up and give them a lift down to the ground with everybody else so they can get some medical attention. Yep, yep. Roy fancy magic there, miss. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Just glad you're both all right. Tip their little gnomish caps and go get tended to. All right. I think we will cut back one more time to Damien before we like leave, leave. Baro will come over and help you get the arm down from where it's pinned to the wall. Oh yeah. These tongues are great. Thank you. Yeah. Now you're going to want to be careful there. Okay. Right. And then that button. And now twist to the right. There you go. Nice. As you remove this arm from the wall, you see a small yellow crystal within like a glass and metal housing ejects and like ding, 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 down to the ground. Uh, Baro, what can you tell me about these little guys? He takes it and pulls out a jeweler's. What are those called? It's like the magnifying thing they are able to... An eyepiece? Yeah. Anyway, pull that out. They look at it and like, oh, it's a... It's a battery. Uh, Yeah, arcane battery. It ejected. Does that mean it's spent? Yeah, this is really shoddy work. I mean, this wouldn't have lasted you more than a couple of weeks. Uh, And for a prosthetic, I mean, that's terrible return. He sort of tosses it in his hand. He's like, gosh, those people really are desperate. Must be why they're stealing the the crystals if their stuff's running off shit like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you look at one more robotic hand for me. I want to see if those crystals are made with the same level of care. Uh, yeah, you got another one? Did your rabbit friend find one or jack it up? Sorry. Uh, I mean, it is still attached, so it will be a little bit more uh, dangerous. Uh, we'd managed to get... Oh, I can detach it for you. You know what? That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be just <laughs> great. Thank you. Mel, is this okay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can certainly try. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No one's saying you have to let them. (laughs) He can also get a nice replacement for you. Yeah, Baro comes over. You lead him over to the captured Ariel Valentine. You ask Aiden, I guess, like. Uh, Yeah, hey, Aiden, Baro over here was pretty good at identifying this artificer arm that Wendy was able to find. So I was thinking maybe he could take a look at our captive's hand. Uh, Since it looks like this arm uh, was made with shoddy craftsmanship, it might be a bargaining chip uh, we can use to get this one to turn against their friends. I like how he's just saying this plainly in front of her. <laughs> I kind of like that you just start saying it out loud, unless you wouldn't have said that. Yeah, uh, mm, nah, I'll keep it. First take is good. Yeah, what a character choice. It feels very Damien. It's, it's fun. To just be like, yeah, we can you do this. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, your hand might stink, so we're going to like examine it. And probably like we'll disarm it, too, so we're not heading back to question with you with the loaded weapon. Yeah, Aiden looks to borrow and she says, yeah, it's got some kind of stun uh, device in there. Can you deactivate that for us? 
Uh, yeah, I, I can I can take a look. I, I will need to remove it to examine the interiors. But uh, yeah, no, sure. Miss, uh, sorry, I, I'm going to... I mean, you did try to steal from my family and uh, my co-workers, so uh, I don't feel too bad about this. And he, like, very deftly... If he touches her hand, she will immediately discharge a taste. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're so valid. Yeah, roll kicks some ass. <laughs> I just need to, to interject with something real quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The old punishment for thievery. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, buddy. Really oh, fucking good. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> Bro. Oh, well, this seems accurate. That's a five. Finger discount. Oh. <laughs> hey. You go to try and discharge as this gnome is approaching you. And I think before you're able to like fire it off, Aiden is between the two of you. Pushing Borrow back puts your arm into some kind of lock that fully breaks your concentration and ability to activate this weapon. She's just got you in an arm lock and calls to Borrow. All right, I've got her. Can you hurry up and get it off? Otherwise, she's going to keep trying this. And as the electricity fizzles and sputters, Borrow will deftly, with his little gnome tools, run up and a couple Allen wrench screws and detach your artifice hand at the wrist. Wolf. And I've got the tongs ready, so I got it. <laughs> he pulls out like this, what looks like a little folded book, undoes a latch, flips it like a coin in the air, and it and magically like turns into a little work table that just kind of like clatters to the ground in front of him. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll just put that on there. There we go. From his little pockets on his little work apron, you know, vest, he like brings out a bunch of stuff, little light, little lamp, <laughs> just quickly sets up a little workspace. It seems like they can just do this forever. And uh, yeah, he uses his little viewfinder again to look at this hand and he mutters to himself as he works. He says, oh, here we go again. Huh? Weird. Yeah. And with little tweezers pulls out a similar little yellow and crystal in a little glass vial with like metal caps and, and contact points for where, you know, a charge could be run through this thing. Leads? Uh, yeah, leads. So like where it's drawn or the energy is drawn out of this thing into the rest of the hand to power it. And he says, huh, yeah, that's wild. Uh, well, your, your people should probably examine this uh, for sure. But yeah, it seems like they've all got these, these shitty little batteries in them. Uh, well, you're welcome. It's terrible work. I'm real sorry, miss. I mean, listen, if you uh, get yourself back on the right path, come on down. We'll, we'll set you up with something a bit better. I just hope you don't need me to sign any paperwork. <laughs> that's pretty funny he says right well that's fair uh, you have a lovely evening um, person who tried to steal from us good night <laughs> he like folds his stuff up again you can see he's like not enjoying taking lip from this person who broke into his family's company but yeah he says you should look into it for sure Damien uh, and he'll give you the other battery and you can hang on to the hand perfect two batteries two hands mm-hmm. For the listeners and for clarity, the one arm is like from the shoulder down and Val is just a hand. From the wrist down, yeah. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. I feel like she says something along the lines of like, you know, I've heard of disarming a girl with your charms, but this is not what I expected. That's pretty good. You gotta hand it to her. That's pretty good. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Well, you can entertain everyone in agency holding. (laughs) Let's go. It's late and I want to be done with this assignment. Watch your head. And Aiden will get you into the back of an agency vehicle to be taken away. We watch the door to the agency vehicle close on Val, and our camera cuts briefly to black. 
When the camera resumes, we are with Val and we see that she is being driven towards the Eastie Agency headquarters and the expanded agency holding facility, where criminals who are brought in from instances of supernatural crime can be registered and assessed before being transferred to the mundane legal system. Aiden and Raven, you are riding with Val in the Eastie transport. Aiden can be driving, you can be in the front seat, Raven, and Val, you are in the back where there's like a divide between the two. Aiden will press a button which activates an intercom so you can hear her voice come through a speaker into the back of this car. Hey, it's Val, right? Sorry I punched you. I could have stopped you without doing that. Val sort of rolls her eyes and says, Don't worry about it, angel face. (laughs) Aiden just sighs and turns off the intercom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know how else I expected that to go. She's probably more upset about getting caught than about getting punched. Don't dwell on it too much, okay? I won't. She isn't exactly banking sympathy for herself. Plus, she could have stared at you a little less. I'd still prefer to be the only one noticing how good you look when you're working. We are on the clock. I'm just saying, you should be in bed, and I want to take us home. (laughs) This had better be a short interrogation. Yeah, you hope so. We'll see. Gay! (laughs) Val yells from the (laughs) backseat. Didn't even hear exactly what was exchanged, but she had an idea. She caught the vibe. Yeah. Oh my god. (laughs) She knows. (laughs) All right. You are brought to agency holding. And we come into, I don't watch a lot of crime drama, but a classic like bullpen style thing, but a little more high tech, a little more security clearance in order to get through to the agency's area for processing criminals that they catch. You are led in and placed in a very stark room. You can see that there are active glyphs and like seals on this room to prevent magic from being cast in here. There's a clear non-detection rune and like a thing that would prevent you from sending any sort of communique out into the world. This is very much a lockbox for questioning people that are brought in. Mm. I am tempted to either stay here with Val and her thoughts for a moment or to simply let Rogue Team begin your like next steps. I would love to see more of, like, Val when she is not being a shady bitch. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. So, Val, you are left in the room, and you're cuffed on one side of the table, but other than that, you are left in here alone. There's, like, a jar of little mini candy bars on the table for you to, like, snack on if you want. I mean, if her arm is... (laughs) She can't open them. She can't fucking get it. (laughs) It's just sitting there taunting you. That just feels cruel. (laughs) That's so mean. That is mean. That's pretty fucking mean. (laughs) The fact that there is chocolates in there makes me feel like they are nice. And so someone definitely unwrapped, like, two of them and left them on top. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, went to leave the room turned around and was like, Ugh. wait, 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 wait. That could be something you do when you go in to question. Oh, true. <laughs> As a okay. sign of goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> You're totally right. I think Raven's really uncomfortable with the fact that we took her hand. Yeah. <laughs> So you're right, that was just an oversight that they put her in there with the chocolate. That's so mean, and I love that. (laughs) Well, it's always there. Like It's left there for anybody, you know. Anyway, you're here in the room, Val. You've been taken into the agency. Mm -hmm. How long has it been since the last time Val was in this kind of position 
is, I think, a question I will ask as Keeper. Ooh, I think it's been a little bit. At least within the last couple of years, I think she's been pretty good about avoiding getting caught. I'm going to say the last time she got caught like this, would it be unreasonable to say that she was like 22? So like seven-ish years or so? Mm-hmm. Which, like, in her timeline, are you thinking that that would mean that she was caught by, like, mundane authorities over something petty and small? Yeah, something petty and small and mundane. Yeah. Before she broke into the big leaf. <laughs> but it was special to her. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she's just kind of, like, looking around the room. The little shading smirk that she's been holding since getting cuffed is gone. Pretty flat-faced. Is there like that typical something that looks like a mirror, but it's actually like an observation window type of thing? Or are there cameras? There's definitely a camera in the corner of the room. And mm-hmm. I think it being the agency, there being magic, I don't think there is an obvious window. That doesn't mean that there is not like an illusion masking that instead. Mm-hmm. But I think this being the agency, it is pretty blank in here. Right. She kind of takes in her surroundings. Did you say that there was magic markings like on the floor or something like that? You said the, the room is basically like warded. Yeah. Are there signs of that or is it 100% plain? You would have clocked it as wards around the door frame when you were let in here. Got it. And there's maybe like a pattern in the center ceiling around the light mm-hmm. that is that no messages in or out kind of ward as well. Right. She's just looking around the room and I think kind of just slumps in the chair a little bit. You know how like a bratty high schooler kind of slouches down in their chair. Their knees are just out to God knows where. Mm-hmm. Tailbone off just, the seat. Yeah, yeah. Basically <laughs> like half teetering off the seat. And she just kind of like, not throws her head back, but lets her head roll back. And she just goes, you have got to be kidding me. And I think like if we zoom in on her a little bit, we see little signs of anxiety here and there. Like, how the fuck am I going to get out of this? Why did she fucking cut my line? Those little questions like silently rolling around in her head. Mm-hmm. You can tell she's thinking to herself a little bit because she's scrunching her eyebrows. She does like a little bit of a scowl at one point, and but she's just like staring at the ceiling at this point, just like silently seething and processing what's happened within the last couple hours. Can you act under pressure for me? Mm. That's an 11. Okay. You successfully managed to keep your cool. You will not be taking a minus one ongoing during any questioning that follows after this. Speaking of, Rogue Team, you get back. You have sort of successfully completed an assignment. Definitely, you are getting an earful from Agent Bert Sayer, the oldest man still working the the beat of being an agent, company veteran. And I think as you arrive, he's just standing there with nothing really to carry, just his phone. And Whitaker, as you come in, you know, Aiden and Raven will take Val into processing and, you know, Damien's taking the artifice pieces into evidence. And Sarah's just standing there going, The whole stained glass edifice. The whole thing. Agent (laughs) Say. If you want, you can always fire the angel. Damn. (laughs) Okay. Oh, roll manipulate someone. (laughs) 
<laughs> what are you gonna do? Fire her? Is the tone I am going for. Yup. <laughs> Nine. Okay. Okay. The agent Sarah at the beginning really took that from a full success. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, he like gets right up in your face and he's like, I don't know that I like you since Atlantic City. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Damn. Uh, and he, he just he just turns and he's like, be very thorough in your expense reports at the end of the quarter, Agent Whitaker. <laughs> you know I love to be. <laughs> he just kind of grumbles. He marches off into his office to go do the paperwork on having to replace <laughs> the gnomish artificer guild's entire clockwork mechanism. Oh. <sighs> Agency premiums have been at an all-time high <laughs> since Rogue Team came back under the fold. But the government subsidies are insane. <laughs> but seriously, Aiden, do you have to break the fucking window? In her defense, she did get thrown through it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think she like feels it like scorch mark on oh. her like outfit that she's got for away missions. And she's just like, they said it was a Philosopher's Stone. Put that in the report. Tell them I took a punch from a Philosopher's Stone and was fine. And see what they do about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. She gets very snippy. <laughs> <laughs> Damien, you have the two pieces of artifice and the batteries, and you are bringing them into the section for, like, evidence and... Ooh, are we bringing the book in, too? Oh, the book should be turned into, I suppose. Yeah, it's the way they, like take all your stuff when you're brought to prison and keep it in a locker for indefinite amounts of time. Yeah, book, hand. I did not think I was going to lose that so soon. <laughs> the person behind the desk says to you, Damien, uh, Gimmer will be right down to take a look at it. I got your call on the way over, so should be here any minute. Oh, Gimmer's going to have a field day. Okay, perfect. I'll just uh, wait here holding the book and arm. And oh, I can take the book. I, I can, I can, oh, okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, oh, perfect, thanks. Gimmer calls to you as he's coming down the hallway, and he says, Edgecrest, how's it going? Hey, Gimmer, how you doing? He walks up and he'll friend handshake with you, do a little couple snaps and like a fist bump. Yeah. We see, for you know, new listeners, since we haven't introduced Gimmer in a while, a young goblin man with warm green skin dotted with like darker green freckles and large pointed ears, bright yellow eyes with the vertical pupils that all goblins have. Gimmer is sporting a very crisp, hex-patterned side shave with some longer black hair standing up in spikes like it's been styled or blow-dried that way. He's in a nicely fitted shirt, like a playful, frenetic lines pattern on it. And he's got a pair of glasses tucked up into his hair that have several additional adjustable lenses clipped to the rim. Gimmer is the agency tech goblin, and I have decided to feed the audience by making him extremely fuckable. <laughs> Hey, adventurers, if you know I'm talking to you specifically right now, you're welcome. <laughs> Gimmer might awaken something in you. He might. Who knows? Let it happen. Just just, just let it happen. Just embrace just let it happen. Anyway, hot boy goblin. Moral of the story, he's hot. <laughs> Moral of the story, he's a hot goblin, and he's here to look at tech. Yeah, green team, let's go. Green team! <laughs> oh, I love that. 
Oh my God. Gimmer is like three foot four. Like he's, he's short. Short king. <laughs> a, short king. a short king. As yeah. a fellow three foot four short king. I respect that. <laughs> I love that. That's right. <laughs> oh, you, you grew an inch, Emery. Good congrats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. You vicious. You vicious woman. <laughs> you set yourself up. Oh, funny. All right. Um, yeah, Gimmer will take the stuff, bring it over to an examination thing. He looks at the batteries when you show him them, and he says, Huh, yeah, that is weird. Um, hmm. Yeah, most, I mean, most artifice like this would just run off the wearer's spark. I don't know why. Hmm. That's weird that they would put that in there. Um, maybe they couldn't make the right connection. I'll have to, I'll have to take a look at this. I might have to disassemble one of them. Oh, I uh, should probably disassemble the hand first before the arm. <laughs> Kick me while I'm down. <laughs> My God. Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is what I get. <laughs> no, don't disassemble the hand. What if we want to figure out how it works? Just, just don't disassemble the hand. It's too mean. It's too mean. <laughs> you can be there. You can be there to say that, Whitaker. That's fine. Gimmer, you can put this like back together, right? I mean, I can put anything back together. Okay, perfect. Then yeah. I'll do the arm. Is, does the hand belong to the person you, you brought into booking? Yeah. Oh yeah. Let me let me take the one that doesn't have an owner in house, and then we'll figure out if she gets it back or not. Okay, that sounds reasonable. So he regrettable. <laughs> He starts to work and he says, Oof, I'm going to be, huh. Yeah, it's like already 11. I'm going to get some coffee. I will let you know when I uh, have something found. Uh, perfect. Do you want me to bring you something? Um, yeah, I mean, whatever they got at the commissary. All right, uh, well, I mean, you, you're two scoops of sugar and a thing of milk, so we're good. Yep, yep. We are going to cut away from the agency briefly and check in with the designer of this artifice, Dr. Victoria Salem, who is already back at her lab at this point in the evening. She has placed the glowing that, again, sort of, we need to figure out what color this Philosopher's Stone is, so I have a word for it. It's like sick green. Not quite as limey as Damien's old slime form for people that have seen our artwork, but like this is this is like got a little bit more blue tinge to it. I will come up with a better metaphor, but it's like the color that all the ghosts in League are. <laughs> people get that reference. <laughs> Spectral green. Spectral green, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, she places this green gem on like one of those anti-grav discs in her lab where it can just sort of stay suspended and not interact with anything tangible. And she closes the door of her own little safe that she's got it locked up in as the rest of her gang arrive carrying a small bag of the gems that they caught. And the chainsaw-handed man who we have decided to dub Shredward. No, 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 no. That's Val's nickname for him, <laughs> specifically. That's Val's nickname for him. His name is Ed or Shred Moore, but he sort of holds out the bag of gems, reaches in, pulls out a sizable ruby, and he says, Boss, I think we made out all right. I mean, hardly anybody got captured, and uh, this is a pretty big squad. What do you think? Salem turns around. Indeed, you all did exactly what I needed you to. And he says, well, good, because, I mean, that was the plan, right? Steal some of these gems? I mean, what? What is that? He sort of sees 
the like door of the safe kind of peeked open with the little glowing thing inside. She fully closes it and she says, I may have made my own withdrawal from the vault while you were keeping the authorities distracted. As you said, it was a very profitable evening. We're going to do big things with this, Edward. And he kind of raises an eyebrow. All right, cool. But uh, I mean, what about Val? Yes, about that. I'm going to need you to go get her for me. <laughs> go get her? I mean, um, the agency's got her. Or we're not seeing her again for at least a couple months. And Victoria straightens something on a desk just aimlessly with her hand. She then turns and says, Everyone else can go. Ops, Edward, stay. Private meeting. Everybody files out. They go off celebrating the win that they had. Door gets closed. Ops stands there, hands folded behind her back at attention. Shred gives like a sigh. <sighs> Boss, are we really gonna... And Victoria snaps her finger and one of his arms just <laughs> detaches and falls. And in an instant, traveling on her many artificed arms, she rushes at him, grabs him by his face, holds his two legs to the ground, and then the other arm pushes his shoulder against a shelving unit. Boss, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What I said about questioning me in front of the group, Edward. I'm sorry, it's just, you know we can't break into the agency. You are going to get my partner back for me. It's the agency, how are we supposed to? She snaps again and his other hand like opens and the the chainsaw starts to go and he seems to be struggling a lot more now as it begins to raise towards his neck while running and she sort of backs away keeping her hands in position by extending the metal slides on them i wonder if i replace your entire head Will you finally learn what I have tried to make crystal clear to you? You're mine. I built you from nothing. And if I decide you're not useful, boss, 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 come on, come on, boss. I don't keep useless things in my workshop, Edward. Understood? The blade of the chainsaw just starts to nick at his neck. And he's like, Crystal! It's Crystal Clamos! We'll go get Val! We'll go get We'll figure it out! It converts back into his normal hand, and her control of it seems to stop. And he quickly, like, pulls it away and, like, almost goes to detach it himself for a moment, but then realizes he can't because his other arm is already gone. And he kind of just, like, stands there, choking as she releases his throat. Good. And you don't have to worry about figuring out how, because I've taken care of that. She goes over to a table, picks up a new arm as he reaches down and sheepishly reattaches his. She hands it over and she says, Give this to whoever is missing theirs. I saw someone was without when they came back. And he says, Oh yeah, the new guy, Bennett. He said he got pinned and it was either get caught or leave it behind. I told him not to let it happen again. I know you hate losing designs. I understand. Tell him he can make it up to me by helping you retrieve Val. Make sure he goes with you. She passes cheek in a feigned, comforting gesture. 
You go get ready while I go over the plan with Ops. It's going to be fine, Edward. Yeah, alright, alright. Yeah, boss, you got it. He leaves the room. We see Victoria walk over to Ops, and they exchange a few quiet words. She whispers something to this woman with the lenses covering the visor that takes up the upper half of her face. Ops says, Understood. I'll handle it. I know you will, Ops. I can always rely on you. I'll see you when you're back with Valentine. And they leave. Wow! (laughs) Oh, bitch. Now, back at the agency. Val, the door to the little room you're being kept in opens. Rogue team, who comes in first? Uh, can we cut to the scene before the door opens where we're just sitting out there? Uh, rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Are we, are we all? Oh, I mean, yeah. Are, are we not? I mean, did someone not want to go in there? And I was just assuming Whitaker was going to go first. Or are we just rolling for who goes second? What's the plan? What are we asking her? Uh, the basics. Who those people were, what she was doing. Standard shit, I suppose. Though... She is the girl from Yosemite, right? Absolutely. Yeah, she definitely is. Oh, yeah. Did you just realize that, Damien? (laughs) It's been a year. It's fair. And the hair is different. Okay, okay. All right. Listen, you meet someone for one time in the middle of the woods and then get a pop quiz. You go on one adventure with somebody. How memorable is that? (laughs) (laughs) I want to know more about how she ended up falling through the air when she was clearly so close to escape. Didn't seem like an accident to me. Ooh, you should take point on that. You saw the whole thing. Damien and I were outside doing that bit. We'll see what we can get. I have a feeling she's not going to tell us much, but we can try. If we get her talking, maybe she'll open up about something. We can chase that thread. Damien, still got the hand with you? Uh, yes, I do. We should give that back to her. Mm. Sign of goodwill. Also, it's a fucking hand. Yeah, it is yeah. the humane thing to do. So we should do it. I can't do this because Aiden wouldn't. She's not this mean, but you really should just walk in and be like, catch these. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking dare you? Okay. Oh. Damien, can you do that, please? Please do Whitaker's that. like, we're going to do this as like a nice polite gesture. <laughs> catch these. Please. Her hand is literally cupped to the table. How is she going to fucking catch? It's her in the face. Yes, oh damn it. That's so mean. She's only got one to catch with. How much of like a recovering asshole do you want Damien to be? I think is the the like the, the gauge here. Uh or just unintentionally clueless that you would like forget that she couldn't catch it in the fucking I support both. <laughs> as as usual, D, none of the above. Okay. <laughs> Damien is going in the room with a cooler and the hand placed on top. Okay. (laughs) Whitaker behind the one-way glass. How do we feel about this? (laughs) You've got me on an earpiece, so I can ask anything you can communicate with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is it like you take the earpiece away to ask Aiden and Raven? (laughs) (laughs) How do we feel about this one, guys? How do we feel about this one? He had a rough day. Should we send someone else with him? I I know he like really wants to prove himself on it, and I respect that. But what's with the tubs of ice cream? I kind of want to see where this goes. Let's give him a couple minutes and then we'll we'll go in if we need to. We're right here. Let's just give him a second. Let's see what he does. All right, all right, all right. Howdy there. Uh, you, I don't know what your name is, sorry. And uh, I probably wouldn't believe you if you told me, but uh, I am here to give you your hand back. So that's good news for you. 
I don't know how to attach it. Is that like a simple process? Does it just like pop into place? It's one of those things where like it magically feels its matched pair receiving end and it can just like reconnect easily. Okay, perfect. I think she's just like pretending you're not there for a second and she's still just like slumped in the chair staring at the ceiling and you reattach your hand and she just kind of like her head like rolls over to one side to look at you and rolls her wrist a little, flexes the fingers a little bit, make sure that it actually works. It functions as a hand valve, but you know that without the battery, Victoria has said that none of the hand's various attachments and special features will function properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Is the battery something that she could like look at and see like the status of, or is that like the hand has to be sort of like semi-disassembled to see the battery? I mean, it is magical, but I think there's maybe a little transparent bit on the back of the hand where Mm -hmm. like you would see and like flip up to install fresh batteries as they're made and required. Got it. And you just see that that's like completely empty. So they've, they've taken the battery out of this, which now makes it just a artifice hand and not the magical super crime tool that it normally is for you. Wow. You figured that out. Got to hand it to you. But, um, yeah, well, we're professionals here. So, uh, Damien will open up the cooler and get a nice big hefty bowl out and then gets a couple pints of ice cream, can of cherries. There's a can of whipped cream. There's uh, rainbow sprinkles, some chocolate sprinkles, some of the crushed up peanuts. Yeah. So, Damien, uh, begin scooping some of the ice cream in. So, I know. Jane Doe, that typically I've got to ask you the series of questions, you know, who you're working with, where's your home base, what are your next plans, yada, yada, yada. And either you won't answer or you'll lie and send us on goose chases. So I, for one, think this isn't really going to be too, you know, productive from like a question and answer perspective, unless you disagree. She's just been watching you unpack all of this ice cream uh, has like a slight furrow to her brow. Her response indicates that she was not listening to your questions at all. I will say meta she was listening to your questions and just elected to not answer. And she's just like, what is this? Are we starting a kid's birthday party in here? How old are you? I like to treat every day like my birthday. <laughs> Since it's hard to keep track of, you know, when that would have been and conversions and whatnot. Anyway, no, this is just a little a little treat for myself, uh, just because if you're not going to talk, well, I've got to do something productive. And as you can see, he's you know scooped all the ice cream in, but he started to make like with like the spoon scoop strange patterns and lines into the ice cream so that there's like these grooves that go down to the bottom. Uh, But if you know magic, you would probably recognize some of the runes that are carved. Maybe not initially, but once he started to shake in a layer of the peanuts inside the grooves, you're like, oh, huh, those are uh, those are magic runes. Would she be able to tell if they're magic runes? I mean, she does a little bit of magic here and there. I think you could recognize them as potentially magic, but you've never seen anyone cast magic with ice cream. And also you don't recognize what spell they would be casting if they're about to. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize the agency was so lenient with their interns. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's a bit of a process. So, uh... 
<laughs> Do they throw you a pizza party every Friday too? Yeah, more pizza than raises, but you know, we, we don't really do it for that. We do it for the uh, the experience, really. See, I just can't stand stuff like that. I prefer to take what I'm owed. <laughs> She's just watching him like fucking empty a whole can of whipped cream. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is like entirely too much whipped cream. He's put in like all the ingredients. It's haphazard. It seems chaotic, but then he takes the entire container of sprinkles and sprinkles it on top and smooshes it nice and flat. So now it's just sort of this colorful mess of sprinkles on top. I just need you to know Mel the player is disgusted with this behavior. (laughs) (laughs) This is terrible. (laughs) Damien, do you want to roll use magic to see what you're doing with this? After all this, I would burn a luck point to make this work and look cool. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to build this up for a fail. I don't think so. Mm. <laughs> that doesn't look like a failed dance. That is a 13 dance. Oh, babe. Nice. Okay. Mm. What are you trying to do, Damien, with your ice cream magic? I am liking observing another place in time using this hand as a component. Ooh. I know that Val did not install this arm on herself because if she did, she would not have done such a sloppy job. <gasps> I am trying to get a like a scry spell on the creator of the hand and maybe the person who is also breaking in that Damien would recognize. You genius! Oh boy. Okay. So observe another place or time or person. Yeah, I think as you like smash this ice cream creation into the table, there is that pause where it's like, Val makes a face and it's like, ugh. And then as you pull your hands away, rather than ice cream dripping off them, little motes of a greenish light pull away from your hands. And the ice cream on the table begins to mix and swirl and it lifts in this swirling motion off the table, out of the bowl, and sort of rotates in space upwards so it becomes flat like a mirror in front of you Damien and the sprinkles arrange themselves within the whipped cream face of this thing almost like pixel art or like very low res camera footage of the image that you are seeing. Are you trying to see Salem now or when she installed the hand specifically? Is it another place and a time or just another place? I don't think getting origin story is helpful. I think the goal would be to get where are they right now? And also to watch Val's face to see if she recognizes that place or not. Enhance. Oh my God. You watch as the the sprinkles, the resolution increases and (laughs) zoom in. I don't know how that would be represented. But anyway, your ice cream spell lets you zoom and enhance and find Dr. Salem in her workshop, hunched over her desk and examining the Philosopher's Stone. And she's bringing, with tweezers, a wire up to it and sort of testing the 
magical connection. And somehow through the sprinkle resolution, you can tell that like when she touches that lead to the, the stone, everything around her lights up. The lights in this space are being turned on and, and surging with power. And she nods, puts that down, and then takes sort of a, another gem next to the Philosopher's Stone and hooks it up to a few wires, presses a button, and power surges from the Philosopher's Stone into one of these crystal batteries, mm. lighting it up. <laughs> Glows super brightly. And she scrambles to detach it quickly and picks up the battery as it's still glowing, getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And she grabs it with one of her artifice uh, extensions and chucks it away from her and it explodes in a shatter of glass, metal, and, and bits of the crystal. And we see her kind of shield her face. And then as she pulls her hand away, we see she's still wearing her mask, but she just begins to laugh gleefully at this source of power she's acquired. Val, you can react to that however you want, but you see Victoria playing with her new toy and seemingly solely focused on that thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. I think we kind of see the shifting of her jaw a little bit as she's like watching Salem. Like she's trying to keep a neutral expression, but there is still that seething over this bitch fucking cut my wire. And as she's just off playing with her little toy and doesn't seem to give two fucks that I'm here. And that's annoying. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there, there is like a little like a little tension in the jaw, a little too focused of a gaze for a bit. And then she looks away and she turns her focus back to Damien. That's uh, that's some magic trick there, Pipsqueak. When you say that, the spell ends and it drops in a melted ice cream slurry all over the table on the floor. <laughs> I feel like a little splash is on her face. Got any napkins? Ooh, uh, yeah. I haven't quite figured out how to stop it from melting and making a mess. Uh, hold on, I've got paper towels. And because Damien's own hands are a mess, he has to reach into the bag he brought in and pull out the roll of paper towels with his teeth. Uh, here you go. Yeah, she'll reach up and she'll just tear one off and just like wipe it off her face and just crumple it up in a ball and throw it on the table just to be like in the ice cream mess. Mm -hmm. So what do you need me for? Uh, I just needed your hand. So uh, thank you. Gotta go get a mop now. Oh, uh, before I go, word of advice. It's going to go a lot better for you if you're nicer to people. You don't have to make friends with everyone, but just notice everything works better with humans when you're a bit friendlier. What did you say your name was? Great work, Agent Edgecrest. Whitaker interrupts. <laughs> Whitaker opens the door. He's got a handful of napkins. And he kind of tosses a little path through the puddle on the floor for him to step <laughs> on so he doesn't get any on his shoes. Oh my god. Sure. Excellent work, Agent Edgecrest. I'm going to go uh, get cleaned up. Raven, do you want to go in with Whitaker? Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely falling behind. I think Aiden is going to stay out unless you guys want her to come as well. Yeah, no, we don't need to crowd the place immediately. Yeah, she'll she'll wait. Two new agents come into the room, Val. It's the one that fell on you and some old guy. Mm -hmm, some old guy. The one that you fell on, actually, let me just correct yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I caught you and saved your life. You're welcome. They start walking in and she goes, please tell me you're not bringing cookies. Is that a cookie with a scoop reference, Mel? <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Only if you're good. 
<laughs> yeah, so we ran every one of the names and IDs you gave us. It all came back either blank or nonsensical, so I am going to ask for your name, but I am not taking it seriously. What can we call you? I'm trying to think if she, if in this moment she would give a different moniker or the same one. She's got to have backups. Yeah, but you have met them before. I don't know. I think she's going to absolutely lie through her teeth and she'll just say, Avery. What was the name that she gave us when we met her back at Val. Oh, she did say it was Val. Interesting. She did say Val. Yeah. Okay. Would Val have turned up anything in the database? It was just Val. So you don't, if you don't have her full name. Then never mind. Yeah. You didn't get the full name. Yep. Fair enough. The hair's new. I think I like the blonde. You know what, Whitaker? Yes. Roll investigate a mystery. Oh, oh shit, you're right. That's We can roll things in this game. Well, but uh, depending on how you do, I may send you a little secret tidbit, and then you can use that as ammunition in this interrogation if you'd like to or not. Noted. Additional question. Mm. Is she in the system? That's right. We never got to ask you before session started, Mel. Um, oh. Did we say that Val would be able to be pulled up in the system from a birth certificate or like facial recognition software or something? Or from the last time that she had gotten arrested. Well, the last time she got uh, she got arrested was through through a mundane situation, right? I mean, I suppose the AC agency could have run your prints and pulled that up. Yeah, they could try that. That's true. Yeah. Actually, she lost her whole hand. We, we may not have prints. That's <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Are your prints on your hands the same on each hand, or are they different on each hand? They're different on each hand, but I'm I, I have to message Mel something, and then Emery tell me what your role was. It was a 10. It was a 10, okay. We are conferring a safety tool thing. We always have time for safety tools. Totally. That's right. Uh, yeah, oh, that's that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, all right, Emery, I have sent you your dirt. Oh, that's, that is such a fucking stellar idea if you're a fucking mm -hmm. criminal. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can make use of that if you'd like to or not. Sure. I don't think we'll reference it specifically, but you'll have it in mind. Hey, adventurers. Editing Natalie's note. We agreed in our DMs during the session that Valentine had her fingerprints removed when she was a teen. Whitaker gets a weak lead for his success to show both that the agency is powerfully resourceful, but that Valentine is damn near a ghost at this point in her career, at least as far as public records go. Was that your partner that we just saw just now? I mean... I think you can ask her, and she just looks at Raven, because Raven was there and saw her. We're not in here to ask me questions, though. We're here for you. I mean, if you wanted my number, this is a very odd way to go about it. Also, I'm spoken for, so sorry. By her? That's a little too personal. That's fair, but you, uh, you do seem to mix personal and business. Is that a read? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, Raven can still do that thing. <laughs> I mean, so far, Val hasn't lied other than the name thing, which she knew already, so. She hasn't said enough for you to zero in and know she's lying because most of her answers have been dodgy anyway and not really answering the questions posed, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. which makes it very fun that Raven can't really use her, like, knowing they're lying thing if Val just dances around the truth. You know what? You know what, Raven? When she says she's spoken for, she's not even sure that's the truth anymore. <laughs> 
That's so dirty of you. No, but actually that's fair. <laughs> that's really good. I think that still works with my reaction of like, with her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one who who is ready to leave you for dead? Okay, interesting. <laughs> I feel like there's like a long pause between them and she just is sitting there and I think she picks up her free hand, which is now her reattached hand and she starts drumming her fingers on the table, which I'm assuming is metal. So it makes this very annoying sound. A vein in Whitaker's head twitches. <laughs> she just kind of looks between the two of them. Is that feeling all right? Do you need someone to come look at it for you? Feels fine, despite the modifications. Sorry about that. It's basic protocol. Mm. How long have you had it for? A while. Not sure why you're really interested in my medical history. Well, to make sure you're all right. Can I ask how you lost it? I think... She doesn't have to answer, but I do want to see what her expression is. I think she just kind of like focuses on you for a little bit. It's another brief pause. Here's my question. How visible are Whitaker's scars? Very. Ooh. Right, like this, yeah. No, this is intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, like when he looks at you, while he clearly has, as far as you can see, all of his limbs intact, the fact that half of his face is completely chewed up and mm-hmm. like there's no hiding that. Yeah. There's cool scars and then there's like, there's like oh, buddy. oh, you probably don't hear very well out of that ear anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's kind of, I think you can tell her eyes are kind of like wandering up like the side of his neck and his face up to that chewed up ear. She just says, occupational hazard. Seems like you can understand that. It's a rough job. Raven, that's a lie. Mm. Seems like your, uh, seems like your fellow partners, group mates, friends, perhaps. Oh, I don't have friends. <laughs> That's a lie. I should have guessed. Seems they're also victims to occupational hazards. Is everyone sporting limbs like that in your little collection? I guess you could say it's a little bit of a fashion trend amongst the crew. Do people elect to have them? She just kind of like raises her eyebrows like, obviously. That's true. I'm just now going to contribute that to you, Raven, so you know. (laughs) And correct me if I get anything wrong. I will. So, oh, actually, uh, important question uh, for context. Do we know the name Dr. Victoria Salem, or do we just know that there's someone doing artifice? Ooh. Because there was definitely mention of the artificer witch, but I don't know if we have, like, the name for her. Yeah. Roll your plus weird agency connections thing, Whitaker, to see if, like... Oh, sure. Because I I have dropped the name Victoria Salem before in the podcast. uh, A couple times, actually. Mm -hmm. But whether you had, like, been able to follow up on that post-Atlantic City and coming back to the agency and having those records available again, I think we'll determine now. So what did you get? Five. (laughs) No. What you know is that the agency has been seeing an increase in the number of reports of crime performed by people with artifice augmentations, and that the name, the Artifice Witch, has been a rising one spread in the seedy criminal underbelly of Portland. I do want to canonize something that we were just talking in chat about and just make this a thing that because Raven is so good at detecting lying, I think in situations like this, they have just an unspoken system where she's either like tapping her finger on the table once or kind of just nudging Whitaker's foot 
with her foot like really, really subtly, just anytime she's noticing a little lie, just a little poke. And so he's just already knowing like, oh, that was a lie, okay. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be playing with your cards? Ooh. Right, just like as like a little stim tool. Yeah, oh, she's like, she's shuffling them. And then anytime she like hears a lie, she'll like tap it on the table while she's shuffling. Mm. Oh, that's really good. That's cute, ooh. <laughs> and so everyone on Rogue Team knows that, that there's always some kind of signal. And this is the one when we're sitting down. Just so that it's immediately established Whitaker's on the same page as Raven. Yeah, I like the idea of like you pull a card out and we'll like examine it for like, that's a lie, dig deeper. And then if she's like says something true, you just continue to shuffle. Yeah, there's always some little like tick that you guys will pick up on. Yeah. Brittany, do you want to be asking questions or do you just want your role to be lie detector? Because I'd love if Raven got some questions in here too. I would love to hear Raven's questions because there were some you wanted to ask about. I had like a couple, but I think Whitaker's taking lead on this. She's mostly here for lie detection. And if she, if, if I think of something, I'll have her jump in. But for right now, Whitaker's got lead. Please do. I love the idea of this like menacing goth in the corner, just like shuffling just cards, shuffling. staring daggers into the valve. Yeah. Got word from some of the gnomes that the prosthetics on some of your uh, crewmates, uh, shoddy work is what they said. It seems like these things are designed to explode. Do you feel safe having that? He points to the hand. Val, you know that Victoria's work is some of the finest artifice available. Mm -hmm. Victoria's stuff is hot shit. Like, she gets contracted by the biggest criminal names in the city to build them stuff when they need it. So, like, the fact that the gnomes are calling the prostheses shoddy is odd to you, Val. Mm -hmm. And you're not sure in what way they would be shoddy, because Whitaker has not elaborated enough yet on that point. I think she just kind of smirks a little bit and she goes, I think those gnomes were just a little bit mad about um, what transpired today. Shoddy work seems like uh, a cradle for the ego. Are you mad about what transpired today? It's all part of the job. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Very loud card tap. <laughs> just like, just like slams the dick on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Glances over at Whitaker. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. You're clearly very good at what you do. Do you want to be working with someone who has you on such a leash? Apt choice of words, having been cut off a leash earlier this evening. <laughs> Damn. Uh. <laughs> and what would you suggest? Work for you, Sir Christopher Lee? I don't think so. <laughs> That's high praise. <laughs> Whitaker blushes. <laughs> Tucks a little bit of hair behind his ear. I think I'm like Christopher Lee. Yes, an old decrepit actor. A fucking war hero. You keep his name out of your goddamn mouth. Aiden opens the door right as you stood up and yell this at Val. Okay, why don't we take a short break? Dragging Whitaker out. <laughs> <laughs> you take that back right now. <laughs> oh, it's that cat meme. <laughs> I love the idea that that's what breaks Whitaker. <laughs> Insulting Sir Christopher Lee. <laughs> Hello, adventurers. Thanks for joining us for another episode. This week, we are promo swapping with our friends from Pest Control. 
Their current season takes place in a world like ours, where the magic and supernatural have become a part of everyday normal life. And you can check out their recent mini-arc that I was able to guest on, where we played Kids on Bikes. Let's check out their trailer. What would happen if the whole world knew monsters existed? That they could be your neighbor, your barista, or your childhood bully? Hi, we're Pest Control, a mostly Monster of the Week actual play show that just started our second season, and we're asking exactly those questions. We are another tabletop podcasting show, but we utilize Monster of the Week very well. It feels almost like you are watching a show. It gets really dark. Yeah, and in between all that, we are a little bit of some silly little goofers. Sam enables some extremely impactful story moments built up from themes and creature designs. I'm William, they, them, and I'm playing Kelly Aberdeen, he, him, who is a vigilante who wants more than anything to be a monster and cannot become one. I'm Sam, she, they, and I'm playing Nami, she, her, who is an angel who fucked up and has to make up for it. My name is Jonas, they, them, and I'm playing Rabbit Moon, he, they, she, a demon boy who changes forms and plays with gravity. Rabbit is using the custom playbook, The Shape Changer. And my name is Keeper Sam. Come follow Pest Control as we watch the story of Kelly, Nami, and Rabbit trying to keep the community of Norfolk safe from the encroaching influence of the city. Come check us out. You can find Pest Control online at Pest Control Pod. I was called a heart-wrenching genius by a friend who listened to that Kids on Bikes game I mentioned. So if you can't get enough of my signature affectionate torture via storytelling, that's waiting for you over on their feed. See you later, adventurers. Hey, adventurers. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Storyteller Squad. We've got a few announcements to get through, so let's get started. If you're enjoying our show, consider following us on our socials. It's one of the best ways to keep up with our episode announcements and help spread the word about our show to your friends. We're at Story Squadcast on most platforms. Also, consider leaving us a rating or review on your preferred podcast platform. It's another way to give us a boost in the algorithm and get our show seen by potential new listeners. And that means more people for you to talk about the show with. Speaking of which, did you know we have a Discord server? We recently opened it to all listeners, so come join the conversation. Talk about your favorite characters or share some fan art or memes. If you want to support the show even further, subscribe to our Patreon. You get access to a special section of the Discord server, as well as live listening parties for new episodes, sneak peeks to new content, behind-the-scene looks at what the cast is up to, and more. Links to the Discord and our Patreon are in our show notes. Last but not least, we're going to be at PAX East in March. If you'll be attending this amazing gaming convention in Boston, Massachusetts, come find us at booth number TT66 in the tabletop section. We'll have some brand new merch for sale and the whole cast will be there. We are so excited to see you there. That's all for now. Time to get you back to the episode. Thanks for listening. So how about this? I really like the idea that Aiden coming in and interrupting the interrogation was something that you all maybe had thought up as part of your original strategy. So it's like, Whitaker will go in, ask a bunch of questions, Val will give him the same sass she's been serving Damien, and then if you choose a good time to get set off, that will leave Raven in the room with Val as the calm, quiet agent who's just been listening the whole time. I don't think we have to change it. I think when you call him old and decrepit, he genuinely like grits his teeth. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like he tenses in a way that definitely looks like he's about to say something quite nasty. And I think Aiden can choose that time. Sure, sure. Aiden, you knew the plan. That bit was not 
a part of the plan. He looks genuinely insulted. Yeah, it like did actually get under his skin a little bit. Yeah. So Whitaker, once Aiden has pulled you out of the interrogation room, she'll say to you, that was honestly perfect, but it seemed maybe a little too real. Are you all right? I had it perfectly under control, Aiden. You didn't have to. It's fine. I'm fine. Okay, sorry. Just take a minute. She's clearly good at this. Yeah. Sorry, I I didn't mean to snap at you. Go keep an eye on Raven. I'll be all right. I'm on it. Raven, it's just you and Val now. I think she uh, doesn't stop shuffling and fiddling with her cards to just make it seem like, yeah, this is normal. Like Aiden came and pulled Whitaker for something, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think she's just still not really looking at Val that much. Just kind of glances up at her a little bit and is like, rough night, huh? I don't know. Have you seen something in my future I should know about? That's what those are for, right? Mel, would you like to grab one of your decks and we'll read Val? Fuck yeah, let's go. All right, kids. Three card flip. Let's just see. Raven does this, but I think she kind of glances towards the door quickly in like a conspiratorial kind of way of like, I really shouldn't be doing this, but... You know what I mean? She's going very good cop moves here. Mm-hmm. All right. One, two, three. Knight of cups, nine of wands in reverse, three of coins upright. This one makes me giggle a little bit. Is coins sometimes circles? Pentacles, circles. Yeah. It's a card about craftsmanship. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You flip the sea dragon seahorse first. Mm. It's a water card. It's a knight. Then you flip the fire ant. It's interesting that it's a card from when you two first met. And the last card is the spider. Ooh. And isn't the three card flip, isn't that past, present, and future? Vaguely? I don't know. I would ask Mel what her interpretation of those three mean. It's been a while since I've actually read cards. I have to go through my old notes. Mm Mm-hmm. Raven also doesn't really do the traditional tarot card stuff, so she's a little out of practice with this, too. So there's, like, two potential upright meanings for Knight of Cups, or, like, there's some key phrases. If it's about a person, because these cards can mean, they they can refer to a person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a person who's a champion of the underdog, they're refined, artistic, intuitive, artisans, dancers, musicians, passive personality, emotionally oriented... They might be a romantic interest, a paramour, a seducer, a tempter, the ideal mate, an amiable, intelligent young person full of new ideas. In quotes, Romeo and Juliet. Hmm. We then have nine of wands. Reversed. (laughs) Refers to not speaking up for yourself, loss of rights, loss of will, inadequate defenses, weakness, cowardice, illness, injury, suspicion, danger, adversity, giving in or giving up, lack of ambition. That's your present. Ouch. Oh, girl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the last one? Three of coins. Three of coins, this imagery is very evocative, just of craftsmanship and hard work in general. The fruits of one's labors, an opportunity to display one's skills, craftsmanship, a job well done, attention to detail, gaining in confidence, off to a good start. And that's your future. (laughs) Incredible. Amazing. Thank you, Mel's tarot cards, for reading a fictional character so beautifully. (laughs) That's what they're here for. Yeah. This knightly, heroic, idealistic little sea dragon knight 
appears representing a past potential. The ant spirit, the one time you've interacted other than this, this ant spirit was present and it represents <laughs> the struggle and like difficult period of Val's life right now and the bad choices she's made to get there. And, and then finally, the last spirit, which represents maybe work paying off and some solid forward progress and a reward for good works done, but also it is the spider card and whose good work is going to pay off in the end and who will face the reward for how hard they've been working, I think is brought to the forefront of your mind given the very arachnid-like nature of your partner's uh, look. Goddamn. You asked for this. Why don't you act under pressure one more time, Valentine? See how much this spooky executive goth unnerves you with these notes. <laughs> I rolled a seven. Okay. I think you maybe are, but don't show it. I think she kind of like squints at the cards a little bit, but like that's like the slight tell, you know? Yeah. Raven, is there anything else you want to ask Val about in this scene? I don't think I have anything else. Okay. Then I think at that point, Aiden will also come in again. Raven scoops up her cards and goes back to shuffling before anyone else comes in to keep up this facade of this was just between us. Right, right, right. Aiden comes back in after a couple more minutes of silence and Val just sort of staring in the, the middle distance, contemplating what your read might imply for her. <laughs> and uh, she says, hey, so... um." We're off shift. They're going to bring somebody else in for further questioning. We'll pick this up in the morning, I guess. Great. You ready to go home? Sounds good. I think she'll turn to Val right before she leaves and just be like, see you around. Just does like a little two-fingered salute with her free hand. This was fun. The door closes. And our camera picks up with a different door closing. This one has a little jingle attached to it. And we see a young, very tall, slender woman with white feathers and a sort of like black crest of feathers for hair and then these like red uh, markings over her face. This is a harpy with secretary bird attributes. And we see her closing up her printing shop in a neighborhood of Portland. She's like closing down the register and things like that. There is a on the glass of the door. She calls the window. Um, we're closed. Sorry, come back tomorrow. She closes the register and makes sure that it's locked, puts the key in her pocket and walks over to the door and sort of looks outside. She points at the sign again through the glass of the window. And she says, we're closed. I'm sorry, you'll have to come back in the morning. And then there is a smash as the glass window of her shop is busted open and three figures walk inside the shop and she backs up scrambling on the ground, the glass cutting her hands on her feathered arms, she backs up and we see a large hulking brute of a creature with a horse's head, but otherwise humanoid, pick up a large brick from the ground, sort of dusts it off and tucks it into a coat pocket. We see a rough-looking dwarf with some of their long dwarven hair shaved so that we actually see the dark dwarven skin underneath. Not their face or their mouth, but just like sort of on the side, almost like reverse, like sideburns they've got going on. <laughs> and then gets braided around that in different ways to give this very like menacing look to their face, carrying a, a bat. 
the third figure to come through steps over the broken window, also very avian-like in their walk, a long taloned foot kind of just and scrapes against the glass of the floor. And then we pan up and see this crouched, very gangly creature, not quite a harpy, but still another like black crest of feathers sort of splay back and two sweeping points on their face, dark sclerid eyes and a wide wicked grin, sharp teeth forming the grin as they come in, flicking a cigarette out into the street. And he leans down and says, Miss Maya, these neighborhoods get more and more dangerous every day. You really should consider Mr. Fowler's offer. We could make sure someone's posted outside the shop. Take care of you and your lovely establishment here. He reaches into a coat pocket, pulls out another cigarette, starts to light it. What do you say, love? Can we make a deal tonight? And he extends a hand and Anyone of folk or magical persuasion would see tiny strands of glyphs wrapping around his wrist as this individual prepares a folk deal to be struck. And the harpy woman gets to her feet, straightens her apron a little bit. You can see the ink spots on it where she's got ink on her taloned fingers. And she says, no, no, I won't deal with him. I'm not looking, no. I can't get involved. And he stands there frozen with the hand outstretched, but his grin seems to grow even bigger. And he says, really? I don't know. This is so unpredictable. What can happen these days? And the dwarf takes the bat and smashes a countertop of glass and it shatters down amongst different greeting card examples and business card stands and things. Please just go. I'd love to. Do you have anywhere I could put this? And he gestures with his arm, which seems unnaturally long as he extends it out towards a shelving unit of paper and his lit cigarette draws dangerously close to her paper stock. Hugo, could you describe what happens next? <gasps> yes! We see a can of iced tea come flying through the broken glass window, landing on the ground in front of the group and it immediately starts emitting smoke. A smoke screen extends into the shop. <coughs> what the hell? As the room fills up, bouncing out of the smoke is a hooded figure in a combination of red cloth that then gives way to golden metal, which then gives way to more cloth. Hood is up. There is a golden lower faceplate covering the mouth. Okay, Mr. There are hints of shining golden light and jewelry and stuff just coming out from within the hood, from various pieces of the clothing, and they are wielding two golden-capped discriminant sticks. There are three targets. What would you like to do? I believe the recommended thing is to kick some ass. Let's go. Fucking get them. Ten. What is the extra effect you'll take? We're going to be rude about it. Let's inflict terrible harm. Okay. Uh, so you will add plus one harm to whatever damage you do with your scream of sticks. Let's go for the big guy. The horse-headed figure? Yeah. Okay. 
You can see this person, massive Clydesdale, who tries to escape the smoke screen, but is stopped when they see a, a figure appear out of the smoke. Is Skirmish stick to the lower half? His knee buckles, he kind of drops down a little closer to you. Is Skirmish stick driving right up into the horse head? As you knock this figure back, a glowing orb from his hand, which we didn't see before, is thrown up into the air, and you can reach out and catch it. And you see within this floating orb, if you draw it close, when we take a moment in the smoke to look at what this is, you see a scene of a young selkie girl sitting on a dock somewhere and fishing with her dad. This looks like a hardworking but tired selkie dad who you see in the background of this display within the orb, a sort of rundown fishing boat that maybe has seen better days. And you just have this item now in your possession. A voice from elsewhere in the smoke says, Allow me to keep that safe, my friend. Aranya Kabe steps up next to you within the smoke. Similarly, his face is masked, but he's still wearing his dark suit and he just casually opens a hand to take this from you. Gently places it. He takes it and tucks it into the bit of his suit jacket. And he says, carry on, I'll be outside. And just fades back into the smoke. Bruh. Well, the butt kicking shall continue. Get him! Okay, who's next? We're gonna go for the dwarf. Okay. And this time, you're going to combat magic. Nice. Combat magic using a a lightning blast. Cool, yeah. I like the idea of the dwarf hearing you know, his friend getting smacked, the like, sound of the you know scream of sticks impacting with jawbone and, and knee. And so he, the dwarf just comes wildly swinging through the fog with the bat trying to hit anything in the vicinity of where he's hearing this scuffle take place. And this time we got a 12. Isn't that advanced? Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> what does it look like? Your attack inflicts double the normal harm. So what would have been a three damage now becomes six. I'm gonna say, cause again, these like kick some ass rolls. If you don't choose suffer little harm, you should be taking some harm from their return attacks. The dwarf goes to swing at you. What occurs, Hugo, in this moment as his bat looks like it's about to connect? So all of the coloration on his clothing starts to fade away. The bat will pass through. The only thing that we really see is Anything that has gold on it is seemingly still focused properly. Mm -hmm. And he just sees a flurry of bright flashes hitting him in the sides. Oh, okay. The bat passes through your form as you desaturate and the dwarf sort of continues to rage forward. But when he finally stops and turns around and sees his bat did nothing to you, an arm is raised and a lightning blast fires out towards this dwarf and strikes him through the chest. Takes an enormous hit from you. The bat drops to the ground. Now, rising from the fog behind you, as you like lower your hand from the lightning blast, is this menacing avian predator folk. Uh oh. And he sees you there and says, think you can mess with fellas, boys, eh? Dead mistake. And a long pair of clawed hands reach for you. Act under pressure. That's a nine. Okay, you do it, but not to perfection. And there may be a price to pay. 
This thing is coming for you, Hugo. And it reaches forward with a hand. Your shifting, flickering form just... It misses. It then tries to reach for you again. And it clips your leg with a claw as you dodge, but not quite fast enough. We're going to take a moment as you appear to be having some difficulty avoiding this creature's attacks. We watch your face as you track the movement of this thing you are fighting in the smoke. You close your eyes for a moment. And when we pan away from the close-up of Hugo's eyes, we see he is not in the print shop, but is instead sitting on the ledge of a rooftop across the street from this shop, eyes closed. What? And a dark shadow of Aranya Kabe standing beside him. What in the fuck? Would you like to explain what's going on, Hugo? Please? Yeah, what is this? Hugo has been practicing. <laughs> he is trying to do what he can to help his community, while full well knowing that if one was to intervene in ways that leave easy and obvious evidence, bad things could come back to you. Mm-hmm. So instead, he's taking the fight to a spot where there is very little obvious evidence to be left within dreams. Oh my God. It's also a lot easier to deal with retrieving things like memories and such if you're on the same turf as it. Oh my God. This is so fucking raw, dude. We watch as a lucidly dreamwalking Hugo sits from his vantage point on this roof in the semi-conscious state that he has learned to enter by practicing dreamwalking. There is still the broken window and a smoke screen of some whispered knockout gas pouring from the shop, but no sounds of a struggle can be heard within. Only as we zoom back in on Hugo's face, the sounds of the fight begin to pick back up and eyes open and you are back, focused in the dream, fighting against the projected consciousness of this local gangster. What would you like to do now? I would like the local gangster to actually, actually grab him. Okay. You allow this person to grab your form. He brings you towards his, like, viciously jagged mouth and goes to just bite at your neck. And we are going to move our head to the left, and then, because they didn't do anything about our arms, just smack them together on the sides of their head. Hmm... Kicks mass. With more magic. Ooh, a combo. 14. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what combo is happening right now? Because he's probably not as good at this as he needs to be, instead of lightning like he's supposed to use, it's going to be entropy. Ooh. Ooh, okay. What does that appear like when the screaming sticks crack into the sides of this folk, making their ears ring? That's a good question. And the answer is... I don't even know because it's quite literally chaos and the decay of order. Yeah. Could cause like a random cramp in their arm. I don't think you're looking to kill these people necessarily within the dream, so. Oh no, not in the slightest. Could just, I mean, this is dream. You could certainly give them a very scary experience without actually causing them death. Hmm. Suddenly, all of their bird teeth are gone. No. <laughs> <laughs> all the teeth fall out like those nightmares. <laughs> Yep. Oh, I love that. Yeah, they just shatter as you like smack with these two very shiny black Eskrima sticks with the gold caps. And then like collapse to the ground, kind of moaning as they move every step they take. Out of their coat pockets, more of these white orbs with visions of 
various, sometimes normal humans, sometimes folk citizens of Portland just start to roll out onto the ground around them as they eventually stumble into a beam or like the, the door frame of the broken window hit their face and sort of uh, collapse to the ground moaning. Good night. Whack. Smack! You knock them to a state of more unconsciousness and begin to retrieve these memories taken in deals by Fowler's men as part of their protection scheme and extorting of the local community. Kabe will take the memories from you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as you hand them all over. He says, Not a bad haul. These were held for some time. Puts them away to be returned to their owners upon the end of this dream. I'm assuming that the other person is still present in the dream as well, correct? Yeah, the secretary bird, Harpy, um, her name is Alexis. She's huddled behind the counter of her shop, uh, very scared and just hoping that whatever's going on will end soon so that she can then clean up and try and claim back some normalcy in her shop. So Hugo, still making sure that the covering on his face is in place, is going to head over to her, um, crouch down to where she is, and try his best to comfort her slash get her up to speed with what's going on. She kind of recoils from you at first as you come around this hooded figure with the, you know, are you still desaturated at this point? You're like sort of now all grays and little glints of gold. It should be fading back in. So he is definitely getting the red colors back. Gotcha. But yeah, she sees this figure and she scrambles back into like a little corner of this desk area. And she says, please don't hurt me. I'm not going to hurt you. And he's going to put down the escrima sticks and he's going to actually sit down cross-legged in front of her. What happened to Fowler's men? Um, they're taking an extended nap. She peers over the edge of the countertop and sees the three folk in various states of beat to shit. (laughs) And she'll look back at you and she says, Thank you. Everyone I know has been being approached by them and I I don't want to deal with Fowler. Nobody should have to. I'm going to make sure of it. Just so you know, you're asleep right now. When you get up, I'm going to need you to call the police or someone to deal with the actual bodies in the room. They're also just unconscious too, so you don't have to worry about anything like that. Um, I might pop down there just to check on you in the real world of things. Um, if I'm asleep, could you just wake me up? Sure. Thank you. Also, if you have a chance, or if you feel that you need some more assistance, get in contact with the EC agency, head over to the community center. There are some people in the community that can help you with that window. They'll probably be able to repair it pretty easily. And I'm fairly certain they can help prevent stuff like this from happening again. There are resources out there to help you with this stuff. She looks you up and down. She says, you don't look like those agents. (laughs) Are you a sorcerer? Uh, That's one way to describe me, I guess. Thank you very much. Who are you? Just a concerned citizen. A community member, if you will. Hugo, you've clearly calmed this harpy down. And she looks like she might actually take some of your advice or, you know, has has taken the message that you've said to her to heart. As she gets up and you stand, you suddenly double over in pain. Oh! Because you feel a sharp stabbing sensation in your side. And 
when you look, there's nothing attacking you in the dream space, but you are bleeding from your side uh, as if something had. Oh, that's a problem. Kabe rushes towards you within the dream space and he says, we are not alone, you must wake. And he places a hand on your chest and forces you down and your form falls through the ground plane of this dreamscape. And we see your body from like a side view. The camera spins 360 degrees as you rotate and sort of sit up into your body atop the roof uh, across the street in the real world. And as you open your eyes, you see just in time as a lancing barbed vine is racing towards your face. Act under pressure. Yo! 14. With your snipe speed, you easily dodge out of the way quickly enough. In moving quickly, you have sort of a bullet time chance to observe your attacker. This strange, thin and scrawny looking plant construct is attacking you. You can see now another of these thorny, vine-like, slithering shapes has impaled you on the side, and that's now tearing itself free from your body. What do you do? Probably bleed. Probably bleed a lot. I mean, yeah, you've taken two harm, I will say, from, <laughs> from the first attack. Uh, it's too late at night for this. Oh, you mean one harm. Yeah, you can already feel your tattoos are closing the wound, but, you know, it still sucks to be stabbed. So how do you deal with this plant thing attacking you? So... As that thing is coming out of his side, he's going to grab onto it, rush forward, and just hit it with an ice blast. Winter is coming. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, roll kick some ass. That is a 12. Okay. What's the bonus you're going to take? Because that's advanced for you, isn't it? Yep. And as much as I want this thing to just run away, I might be better off just trying to put it out of commission entirely just in case it's trying to go somewhere or do something else. So let's double the damage. Okay. That's another six harm you're dealing out? Um, I believe so. Let me check something real quick. Yep. The ice is also plus one harm. So it's going to be three harm doubled to six harm. Magic, close, obvious, loud, and restraining. <laughs> so many tags. Yeah. Uh, with that much ice damage to this plant, being, you basically just flash freeze it in place. Instantly snuffing out whatever life force is animating it. This is the same night that everyone else is dealing with Val and the questioning and stuff. You're out being a cool vigilante of dreams. Making mistakes. Making so many mistakes. Why don't you investigate a mystery? Yeah, investigate a mystery. Seven. Hmm. What sort of creature is it? Because that's that's going to bug me for a while. You, in your whispered training, are taught that oftentimes monsters don't operate alone or that they create servants for themselves. This, now that you have a chance to look at it, literally frozen in place for you to slowly examine, you feel that this is likely... A leshy. Yes, I was right. A plant construct mm -hmm. created by another being to go off and handle its dirty work for it. This thing is thin and, again, doesn't look very strong. It's definitely 
was sent as more of an assassin or like tracker. This is the first time in your like year-ish of starting to take on this role of a, a community vigilante that any of Fowler's cronies had any sort of extra protection. You could intuit this means that his organization is maybe catching wise to the fact that someone is out there stealing their deals and memories and other things of which they are trying to collect from the community and sent this as a sort of tail for the group out doing the work in order to stop or be on the lookout for you. Well, got to rethink that plan then. What do you do now? Hugo's going to put a hand over his side slightly just to numb some of the pain. He's going to find a way to make his way down from the rooftop area back to street level, and he's going to head into the shop, being careful to not hurt himself with the glass. He probably could have used the door, but... Window's broken, door's locked. He's going to go over to where Alexis is sleeping still, probably, and as gently as he can, wake her up. Is this real? Am I awake? Unfortunately. How are you feeling? You and that other man vanished. I wasn't sure what to do. Are you okay? Uh, oh my god, you're bleeding. Just hold on, I'll get you something to bandage that with. I probably have a towel somewhere. Um. No, no, it, it's fine. Are you sure? Yeah, I've been through worse. All right. Um. She now sees the unconscious sleeping forms of the other folk, and she kind of covers her mouth. She says, do we have to be quiet? I, we really need to get rid of them. I'll tie them up at least and try to just move them to the side just so you don't have to worry about that. But call the cops. Have someone come. There's a streetlight outside you could tie them to. You know what? That would be perfect. Thank you so much. And she will rush out of the shop area and into like a back office where she has a phone. While she does that, he's actually going to quickly drop some pamphlets onto the counter table. Um, there is some information on some social resources. There is a card for the EC agency. There is a folded up flyer for the community center. And there is a 50% off coupon for some ice cream. <laughs> As you go to tie up Fowler's henchmen, you hear the crunch of footsteps on some of the broken glass as Dr. Kabe is now walking in. And ironically, he opens the locked door and comes in through that way. Of all times for you to use an actual... <laughs> really? Really? And he turns as he watches you work and says, Fowler is clearly growing wise to our interference in his business. We need a new plan. You're not wrong, but I'd rather not go to the source. <sighs> I wouldn't suggest taking Fowler on directly, but Fowler's already called in backup. It would make sense for us to do the same. <sighs> that means getting people involved in stuff. And you know what? Hugo is going to take out his phone, and he's going to give Whitaker a call. That's right. Call your boy. Whitaker! You and Damien are off the clock. Your shift is done. The night shift at the agency is taking over some of the processing. You can fill out paperwork in the morning about the damage to the Artifice Guild and all that stuff. And you and Damien are headed home after a long day of being EC agents. And you get a phone call. Hello? Hey, Whitaker. 
It's Hugo. Hugo. Yeah. Oh, Hugo. Put it on speaker. Damien's here. Is that all right? Hey, Damien. Speaker. Actually, hold on one second. Is this... One moment. Let's get out of the building. I'm going to wait till Whitaker is out in the parking lot before he continues the conversation. Yeah. Mm. Prithy is waiting at the bike. Nice. Uh, Prith's here. Is that all right? Probably. Hey, Prithy. Long time no see. It's Hugo. Oh, right. Hi, Hugo. I'm ready to go home. I want to be my PJs. Ditto. I'm tired. Hold on one second. All right, Hugo, you got to make it quick. Prithy needs their PJs. <laughs> well, you're going to love this. Prithy might love this. Something both I and Prithy would love. Now, there's something fascinating. It's a rare slice of a, a very, <laughs> very thin Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> I may need your help. Oh, I do love that. Ooh, I'd like that a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. I thought as much. <sighs> Finally, some agency help for a dear old friend. Intriguing. I don't need agency help. I need your help. And Damien, if he's up for it. Do I finally get to queer eye your wardrobe? (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, because if it's that, I have other things I could be doing. (laughs) Damien likes fashion. Would he not like to do that? (laughs) On the side, we see Hugo clutching his side. Yeah. Oh, he's just bleeding, bleeding out. Oh my God. <laughs> Dragging the bodies out of the print shop to an alley. <laughs> is, that, is that sound of breaking glass in the background? <laughs> like I said, I might need your help. Um, any chance you'd be willing to meet up at some point? Uh, do you need me now? How soon? Uh, not necessarily this minute, but I could make a trip. Well, you know where to find me. Sh- should I be worried? Oh, of course. Yeah, I figured. When are you not? I know, but should I be? I don't want to have to get therapy about this. Are there any details you can give me so I can be anxious about the right things? Um, not really that I can give over the phone. Suffice to say there are things happening in the city. I have taken some matters into my own hands. Mm, thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. But I may have slightly been off more than I can chew. At least more that I can chew with one set of teeth. I can make time for you. I'd really appreciate it. Are you free tomorrow? Is tomorrow a good time? Yeah, should be. All right. I can see you uh, after work or something. We'll plan something out. I can come by the office. We could go somewhere for food or something. How are Raven and Aiden doing? They're, um, <laughs> well, a girl fell on Raven today. <laughs> and Aiden went through a window. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Whitaker. All right. We're forcing the band back together. Yeah! getting back together, baby! (laughs) Hugo, you finish securing Fowler's henchmen to the lamppost and leave the scene just in time to avoid being there when the authorities arrive. Fucking Batman shit! Whitaker, Damien, let's cut back over to you, since we just had you on the phone with Hugo. You, along with Prithy, are returning to your apartment after... A very late night. I mean, it's probably 3 a.m. at this point after all the questioning and wrapping up at the guild. Okay, I am going to make a Manhattan. Whitaker, do you want one? Uh, Whitaker is currently taking off the like leather biker jacket and helmet and is shuffling those off and he looks over at Damien. Yeah, I'll I'll take some of that. Sounds good. 
Uh, Damien did not take off any of his gear. He's still wearing his vest. He's still wearing his welding mask. He's clomping around the apartment in his boots. Prithi walked into their bedroom and clothes are just being thrown out the door <laughs> as they yell, Freedom! 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 <laughs> God. <laughs> Hey, it's important safety gear. You can wear whatever the hell you want when you're crashing here, but when you're on the bike, you gotta wear the helmet and you gotta wear the jacket. I'm sorry, that's just the rules. They come out in like just their underwear and an oversized t-shirt and are like, I will wear whatever you make me wear to ride on the bike. But once we're in the sanctum, I have to dress the part. And they go and like pour themselves a bowl of cereal. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. um, Rules as followed. Whitaker's just bright red. And he like collects his shit before going back to mixing a drink and addressing them again. Prithi, you'd know this better than I would. Do you know if Christopher Lee's gotten cancelled recently or posthumously outed as a homophobe or something? I don't think so. I mean, no, I think he's fine. Uh, That's the wizard from that one movie you made me watch, right? (sighs) You're killing me here. Christopher Lee, right? He's not just an actor, right? This man was in World War fucking too. He killed Nazis. Well, yeah, hell yeah. He's a cool guy, right? He witnessed the last execution in France. He's a cool fucking guy. Yeah, you made me read the Wikipedia page. I got Did it. Did you like watch Star Wars recently? Are you having an existential crisis? What's going on? Did you know his cousin fucking <laughs> wrote the James Bond books based off of his exploits on Her Majesty's Secret Service? He's a cool... I'm sorry. I Give me that drink, Damien. I swear to God. <laughs> Wow. Wow. What happened with that interrogation? This is this is full meltdown. I haven't seen this in months. I'm losing it over here. It's fine. It was a fine interrogation. It was great. Damien did some excellent magic and it was fine. I mean, I don't think that interrogation went as well as your previous interrogation with a thief who might have been a little abrasive at first. Um, I think this one probably didn't go nearly as as well. I think the first one was much more amicable and, uh, you know, much more positive and nuanced. Are you talking about the, the one where, where I first met you? Yes. <laughs> okay. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> says, wow, stuff to unpack. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm, uh, good night. <laughs> they pick up their cereal and go. And they don't actually leave like the space. They just go to like the living room in this open concept apartment and sit down and like turn on something. <laughs> Whitaker takes a drink of whatever Damien has created. Uh, it's a Manhattan. It's like 99% whiskey. He coughs a bit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. But, uh, Seriously, though, and Damien like finally begins taking layers off and getting comfortable at at home. Seriously, though, while I was definitely an asshole, I think I was a different type. Can you can you validate me? (laughs) Damien, you gave her her hand back, which is frankly miles above what I expected of you. Yeah, and that's a lot of character development. I would have kept that if it was a few years ago. Right. Sometimes it's nice to have a souvenir. No, Damien, genuinely, I I don't think you were an asshole. I think you did you did everything you were supposed to do and you've been implementing your magic in very uh, creative ways. Look, they didn't give me a deck of cards, so I've got to make do with what I got. 
And honestly, it's a good thing they didn't give me the deck of cards. That's just way too many animals. Could you imagine being surrounded with that many fluffy creatures? Oh, what a nightmare. <laughs> Whitaker looks around at like the apartment that he has tried so hard to keep spotless and sparkling. And in places there's like Damien and Prithy's mess encroaching in on the sides. But no pepper. But not a single hair in that entire <laughs> apartment. <sighs> No, Damien, you did good, and we got the whole thing recorded, so we can try to skim back through the little image you pulled up and see if there's any, you know, revealing details about where the Artificer Witch might be hiding. That was good, that was useful. Better than me over here, Jesus. God, she really got under my skin, and I'm only just realizing that now. I mean, to be fair, someone capable of getting all that deep intel on that building, being able to break in, having access to the magic and all this tech. They're going to be good at what they do, and what they do is being abrasive. Well, no, because it's it's not like she read about the massacre in London and realized my age might be a bit of a fucking touch point for me. She just read that off the cuff and I reacted. I'm, I'm not upset that she tried to get under my skin. I'm upset that she didn't have to. So I don't know. Can I just, can I have permission to be angry about that? Oh, yeah, you can hold on to that anger for the rest of the week for all I care. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'd like to be mad about it for the rest of my artificially shortened life, if you don't mind. Sorry, it's just... I know the vampire attack didn't, like, put me in the wrong body. It's still me. It's still mine. It's just... It's just wrong, and and I hate it. And it, it fucking bites every time I have to remember it. You are definitely in a unique position, uh, but if it makes you feel any better, uh, I've met humans and everyone is pretty self-conscious about their age, especially the older looking ones. And you definitely got a bit of a speed boost in that journey, but you know, other people get speed boosts to the final destination a little bit faster too. So sorry, that's your flavor but everyone gets something funky. Yeah, I guess you're right. If you guys sort of sit in comfortable silence for a little bit, it goes to commercial on the TV and Prithi looks over at you and she says, you know, you could put on the Kigurumi I bought you. That I mean, that always makes me feel a little younger. <laughs> <laughs> I think you make a cute sloth, Whitaker. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, Prith, I don't feel like a cute sloth. <laughs> <laughs> But it is a very comfy onesie. All right. We can leave Shay Whitaker, <laughs> your bachelor pad, which has become a live-in college dorm. <laughs> He's trying so hard. He's trying so hard to not make it exactly fucking bad. We will travel with our camera to a bookshop in Autumn Falls. And around the back of the building, up some new-looking stairs that lead to a second-floor deck, which hosts a bunch of decorative plants and a small, work-in-progress vegetable garden. There is a gold flash, and Raven and Aiden appear on this deck in front of the door to their apartment, having finally returned home at last. It's just an easy commute. Mm -hmm. We'll never get tired of this. <laughs> you guys come in the apartment. Ruby runs up to you barking. <laughs> You guys can make sure you feed her. Aiden starts getting out of her agency tech wear. 
which again has like a big blast mark where she got punched by <laughs> the Philosopher's Stone. And Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, it's still the same night. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah, I think Raven's a little bit, uh, she's going to have some bruises in the morning from that tumble she took, but otherwise is okay. But yeah, I think it's definitely a, a similar scene to Prithi where it's just like, get me out of my work clothes. I want to be comfy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought of this actually. Let me know if you think it's funny. Aiden's like struggling with the zipper a little bit because it got damaged. Mm-hmm. She's like, <sighs> whatever. And she will flash again and like just all of her clothes crumple to the ground. And you hear her like turning on the shower. <laughs> I love that. You know what? Fair. That's so funny. <laughs> She'll call to you from, like, the other room. There's still glass in my hair. (laughs) Do you want help? Please don't cut yourself on that. That sounds dangerous. I got it. I'm I'm fine. She sounds more frustrated, honestly, than she usually is about having debris in her clothes, given that she's constantly being thrown through walls and stuff. Mm -hmm. Something is bugging her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Raven's going to scoop up her clothes and kind of go over to the garbage and shake them out to try and get the glass (laughs) bits out. (laughs) So that they can maybe bring them back to work and have them salvaged. Mm -hmm. Maybe not, but she's just kind of cleaning up a little bit. Wendy will leap through the the house, open a window, turn on some of the fairy lights over the kitchen sink. (laughs) Oh, they've definitely got a bunch of candles. Yeah. It's cozy time now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is definitely a, usually not this late, but a usual nighttime routine for them. Yeah. I'm trying to think like what Wendy would have in the apartment that's their space, you know? Like, you thought about that at all? Not really, but I just had the idea of, have you seen how you can get things for cats that are like shelves along the wall just for your cats to like run along? Mm -hmm. I feel like they have those, but they're like much higher than you would put them for normal cats because Wendy can't fall and get hurt. Mm. So they're just like kind of up towards the ceiling. And so Wendy can like race around the apartment up above them harmlessly. I like that. They get their zoomies out. Yeah. And there's probably like a cat tree somewhere that's one of the cozy ones with a bed inside. Because they're cat sized and they like to run around a lot. Well, have you seen the cat trees? They're actually like natural, like like a wood, like a hollowed out like piece of wood versus like the like square modern ones. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I feel like Aiden and Raven would have made that like a project to like build it out of natural materials for them. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things integrated into their apartment for Wendy to like climb on and run around on and be cozy in different places. Yeah. There's like pictures on the wall, right? Of like you two mm-hmm. and, you know, your family and your brother and Jay. One of the frames sort of has like a silver glow around the edge and the image inside is actually moving. And it's like a shot of like a prairie somewhere, mm. a little like actual window into a natural grassland. And so Wendy will sometimes just curl up in a little pillow in front of it and like watch. Yeah. So that's maybe where they head now. And they kind of just like are looking at the, the night sky out in this open field by the moon. I love that. That's really cool. Uh, I also like to think that their apartment is a very eclectic mix of Aiden's very basic clean apartment and Raven's like very clutter core, lots of knickknacks and things everywhere. And so there's like certain areas you can tell one of them decorated (laughs) versus the other. Yeah, there's little figurines up on the sink, but then like the actual kitchen counter is sparse with like a a place perfect for everything. Like it's all just like... There's like a couple shelves in the living room where the actual living room is very tastefully decorated. And there's a few shelves that are just like full of trinkets, but it's like contained to those shelves. 
dragon statues and like. Yeah, and like <laughs> crystals and cool rocks and dried flowers. And like, there's just, there's so much stuff. Ah, I love it. Yeah. We're just designing our lo-fi video background right now. Yes. Maybe they put in like a little nook, a window nook to like sit, you know, that would like look kind of neat from the outside looking up at the bookstore face. Mm-hmm. I definitely think since Raven's parents are in town, they're always like on call if they're working late or anything. They'll just come over and check on Ruby. She's half Aiden and Raven and half has been adopted by the Eugenio family's dog. Oh, I love that. It's like if anything happens, they'll just go pick her up and just keep her at their house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Plot armor for the dog. Plot armor for the she dog. She is safe no matter what. She has snacks. She's good. She never leaves Autumn Falls. <laughs> She's doing amazing. She'll live forever. <laughs> I love the idea that she plays with Wendy too a bunch. She'll mm -hmm. like run around the apartment following Wendy as they run on those shelving yeah. things and stuff. And they'll play like little games. Wendy probably can just throw a quill like a stick and play fetch with it, honestly. <laughs> if it was a real emergency, would Wendy be able to feed Ruby? <laughs> probably. I mean, Wendy's... Yeah. Super smart, so. Yeah, I know. They're just, they're just small, but they can figure it out. Yeah. Ruby will be taken care of no matter what. <laughs> they do that thing in like fantasy archery characters where like there's the bag of dog food above the bowl and they like fire a quill and it cuts the bottom open and it spills out for them. <laughs> Wendy, we've talked about this. <laughs> Ruby's going to get sick from eating so much. Wendy, a little bit of food, a little bit of food. It's Not like a half a cup scoop. <laughs> yeah. Yo. She's not as smart as you. She will eat too much. So yeah, Aiden will quickly shower, come out and put on her pajamas. She's like, do you want to eat anything? We can warm up something or? Uh, I don't know if I'm hungry. I kind of just want to just lay on the floor for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Mood. Yeah. God. What a night. That should have been easy. And it was not. Theoretically, they all should be easy. We're a very overpowered group sometimes. But I don't know. We just got... Outsmarted, I guess, which sucks. I don't like that feeling. Yeah. And she'll climb over the sofa and then just sit into it. But she does look a little distracted. She's flipping through her phone, like mm -hmm. trying to find something to put on your like speakers or whatever. Raven at this point has changed and is wearing a raccoon Kigurumi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely like a group thing at some point. Pretty's <laughs> Christmas present yeah. last year. Yeah. Everybody got one. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just like swimming in this with the hood up in the little raccoon sure, thing. Sure, sure. If Aiden's like kind of being distracted and like struggling to find something, I think Raven will just gently take her phone, put on the same lo-fi playlist that they always pick to put on and like hand it back. Like, just, it's fine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... I feel bad about the gnome's window getting destroyed. I know the agency will pay to have it replaced, but that was a lot of hard work that got ruined. And we didn't even catch the other thief. It's just was not my best night. I'm just glad that you're okay. And it's not your fault. You did get thrown through that window. I guess it doesn't help anyone for me to feel guilty over it. I'll just have to work the case and try to stop this artifice witch in the morning. Which is four hours from now. Ugh, yeah. Not looking forward to that. They can't push our next shift tomorrow a little bit later. They're not going to mind if we come in a little bit later. We were out till three. I can ask. I'll, I'll send an email. Duh. <sighs> Okay, but like really quick email. Don't read any of your other work emails. Okay, all right, I, I won't. <laughs> she like open the she's thing up. She's gonna watch and make sure that she doesn't start like <laughs> scrolling through work stuff. Yeah, she just like sends a little thing like, 
requesting delay on rogue team's arrival. Hit send. And she like hands her phone over. <laughs> Raven will just take it and lock it and put it down. Like she's, she's not trying to keep it, but yeah. yeah. She'll kind of throw her hands up and she's like, okay, I'm unplugged. I'm good. No more work. We're home. Come here. She'll like jump into her lap. <laughs> yeah. And you guys can just like snug on the couch. Once you like climb into the couch with Aiden, Ruby will come over and just sort of like sit with like her head resting on the couch cushion looking at you two. <laughs> <laughs> Love Ruby. Do you guys just fall asleep on the couch or do you eventually migrate? I feel like they probably end up falling asleep on the couch. <laughs> okay. You two cozy up together and you drift off to sleep in your lovely little apartment amidst the soft dim glow of the fairy lights. Now, though I love the coziness of this scene we have established. It can't last forever. <laughs> it'd be a shame if something ruined it. <laughs> Raven. Oh no. You are running in a darkly lit industrial district with the many buildings looming taller than they were around you. And you see running towards you and eventually colliding with you is Val. Mm. Val stands up and as they face you, rather than Val's actual face, you see a grinning half smile and a red eye and then a half broken fox mask on the other side of the face as Azazel steps forward. Mm. And as she walks, the clothes that Val would be wearing burn away into the dark suit and she quickly reaches forward with a glowing hand of embers that burns, that grabs at the front of your chest. As she pulls you in, she says, We're coming for you, First Light. But she opens her mouth again, and what comes out is... (laughs) And you wake up as your phone is going off on the coffee table. Uh, Is it my alarm or my ringtone? It's your ringtone. And it stops after a minute and it does a little buzz buzz of like missed call. And the caller ID says Gimmer Hmm. from the agency who's giving you a call. What time is it at this point? Uh, It's only like 4.30. You haven't been asleep that long. Oh, all right. Is, um, Is Aiden still there? No. Do I hear her anywhere in the apartment or is she like gone, gone? There's a little sticky note next to your phone that just says... I couldn't sleep. I went out for a little bit. See you in the morning. Love, Aiden. As soon as she sees that note, she'll like answer the phone. Of like, okay, she left a note. We're good. Mm -hmm. (sighs) She'll pick up her phone and she'll call back Gimmer. This can't be good. Okay. You see several missed calls from Gimmer as like the one that woke you up ends a little too soon and you have to call him back. But he's been calling you nonstop for the past like 20 minutes. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, she'll call him right back. He answers the phone. You hear some, like, papers shuffling on his end of the, the call. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, he says, Wah! Agent Eugenia, hey, I've been trying to get in touch with you. Hey. Sorry, I woke you up. I'm so sorry. I've been, I'm so caffeinated right now. Holy shit, though, I have <laughs> such an update for you uh, on this Artificer case. It's fine. <sighs> she, like, is trying to wake herself up a little bit. Mm-hmm. <sighs> What's up? What'd you find? So that arm that I was examining. And I have to imagine it applies to the hand uh, from the woman you brought in too. But uh, it's, I I feel like Damien said that the gnomes were like disparaging it as like shoddy work. It's not. Oh. 
It's really well done. This is high-tier stuff. Hmm. But it is weird in some pretty nasty ways. So, like, uh, I don't know how much you know about artifice. Uh, it generally, if you're making an augmentation like that, it will just run off the person's spark. Like, you don't need an outside power source. It's sort of, it's, it's mm -hmm. driving itself off your, your life energy, right? Because it's an extension of you at that point. So, I, you know, I, I was thinking that. I was like, well, let me check the hookup. Standard build, you know, standard magical actuators and, and contact leads. Sure. But battery, right? The battery was standing out to me. Here, I'm <laughs> sipping more coffee. <laughs> oh, boy. He says, the battery. I was looking at it and I was like, this thing, I mean, yeah, it could power something small like that, but actually it's got way more of a charge to it than you would think. For something so small, it's holding a lot of energy like crammed in that crystal. And then I was like, well, this is clearly intentional. It's not somebody just like making a mistake. It's, it's a piece of work, Raven. There's a glyph built into these designs and it's siphoning the energy from the people with these augments and charging it into these batteries. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and then there's like a kill switch to just shut them off once the battery's fully charged. Shut off the, the artifice limbs? Yeah, those batteries, that has nothing to do with the operation of the devices. That's taking the person who's wearing its energy and like storing it up. The people are charging the batteries. They aren't running the, the augments. That's, have you ever seen anything like this before? No, this is next level shit, Raven. This artificer is dangerous. She's using the people with these augments for something. I don't know what, but it can't be good. I feel bad for them. She's like won their loyalty, but she's farming them for energy. She's a predator. They did seem a little culty. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. Either way, it's super messed up. Yeah, no, it's terrible. <sighs> I should probably rest. Yeah. It's late. You should get some sleep. But I wanted to let you know right away so you could figure out in the morning what you're going to ask that lady. Do we tell her this? I mean, what do we say to her? Like, hey, you've been being drained constantly for like the past who knows how long. Ooh. I don't know if we should tell her up front. I think we should uh, hang on to this and see if we can use it to our advantage somehow. I have a feeling they don't know. Again, real culty vibes. We can try to hint at it and see if they know, if they signed up for it, because that's a whole other thing, but. Either way, we gotta figure out what the heck she's doing with this. And didn't you say that she stole us a power source from the guild? Yeah, that's what the gnomes told us. Oh boy. Well, this case is getting a lot bigger than, you know, it started out as. Yeah, this sounds bad. I'm gonna report to the director, let her know. Maybe we can get you guys some backup. I left a voicemail for Whitaker, and I'll, I'll see you guys tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, good work, Gimmer. Thanks for updating me. We'll see you in the morning. Yeah, sure. All right, good night. Get some sleep. Oh, Raven's gonna like sink down under her couch. It's like, oh God, this just got so much more complicated. Ruby will come over, her little <sighs> like tags jingle, and she comes up onto the couch and like lays on your stomach. <laughs> She'll just snuggle here. All right, well, I guess I'll try to go back to sleep after that. She'll just double check that her alarms are set for the morning. She'll probably knock out pretty quick. She's still exhausted. <laughs> okay, you go to bed. Valentine. Mm-hmm. It's around five in the morning. You've been in agency holding the whole night. You have not really been moved or transferred from the interrogation room. You have probably at this point worked your way through some of the candy bowl. <laughs> Is there gum in there? Uh, yeah, sure. There could be gum. She specifically goes for the bubble gum. 
to chew mm-hmm. it up and then spit it out on the floor <laughs> just to make a mess. <laughs> and like, she'll actually eat a piece of candy every so often, but like in between pieces of candy, it's a piece of gum and she just spits it out at the wall or on the floor or on the table or even like puts one in her hand and like tucks it under the chair, like yeah. just <laughs> killing time. It's a real oversight on the East Agency's yeah. <laughs> uh, part to provide gum for prisoners. <laughs> She's going to try to get, um, I think she has a lockpick in her hand, or I can't use that, right? As you've been sitting in the holding cell, you're feeling pretty good. It's late, you're tired, mm-hmm. but you're feeling like better physically than you have in months. Interesting. And when you go to like, activate your lockpick as you're having the thought oh no wait it won't work because the battery and it just activates and your finger like unlocks the thing and it opens up oh and you are uncuffed valentine will make a note of that for later we cut away from the room you're in just to a different section of ec agency holding as we see a couple of the like night shift agents on duty bringing in some figures in handcuffs and they speak to the agent at the like check-in desk and they say picked up a few from that uh, group that rogue team was tossing with tonight uh, they just turned themselves in and we see these two figures one of them sporting the new arm that victoria had given to shred to hand off to the person who had lost theirs during the initial encounter the person at the desk says all right well we'll book them and um put them in holding until Whitaker's team comes back in the morning. We see a couple more agents coming in with shred in handcuffs. And as the the first couple of these individuals from the gang walk forward, they get very close to the evidence and like seized possessions section of this area. And we hear a little beeping going off in the arm and the arm in holding. Shred suddenly bolts and leaps over the reception counter, tackling the reception agent to the floor. The other agents have just enough time to notice this beeping, and they take a reactionary step away from the person they're escorting, before a bolt of sickly green lightning shoots from this person's arm and connects with the arm on Gimmer's workbench where he left it, and both of these pieces of artifice explode. Val, you hear a loud explosion and the drywall of the room you're in cracks. The replacement arm that Victoria supplied seems to have triggered a detonation along with the one in holding. Papers everywhere, smoke, fire alarms start to go off. The sprinkler system where it's not too damaged kicks in and shred pushing the now unconscious, grievously wounded each the agent off of him steps up activates his chainsaw hands and runs forward and cuts the door off the hinges. And as it falls away, you see Shred step into the room and says, come on, kid, let's get out of here. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm happy to see you. Gang's waiting outside. We don't have a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's just like dusting herself off and she's chewing one last piece of gum. She like flicks it into the room (laughs) and like, and I think we get like a little, actually she flicks it in front of her. We get like a little crop in of her shoe as she squishes it down into the floor and then keeps walking, leaving the gum behind. 
We see that the footage transitions to like the security camera as it follows you and Shred running through the now on fire and like leaking pipes section of Eastie Agency holding, mm -hmm. uh, which has been attacked. And as you are running out of the building, we zoom way out and we see waiting in like a separate vehicle than the one you're about to pile into with the rest of the members is Ops sitting there with many of her lenses activating and articulating. And almost it's as if what we're seeing, the like footage of you running through the halls is what she's able to perceive with her like X-ray lens and like heat vision tracking and everything like that, even from such a far away distance with her artificed lens matrix. We see her putting down a small remote detonator and putting a, a hand to her ear and she says, Val's broken out. We'll be back to the compound soon. And she gets in her car and drives away. And as you are leaving, Val, you run by the like actual site of the explosion and you can find your grimoire. Oh shit, yeah, I'll scoop that up. Which has been knocked out of the shelving units along with a bunch of other stuff. Shred maybe takes a couple things, but you get your book as you skedaddle. Yeah, I swipe that shit. Fuck yeah. Uh, we see Victoria in her workshop in communication with Ops over this like earpiece they've both got. She says, This is beginner level strategy. The agency captures my queen. I sacrifice a pawn to get her back. It doesn't matter how many pieces are left on the board at the end of the game. So long as I win. And Salem in her workshop raises the glowing philosopher's stone now held within an artifice housing which is sending power through a cable, which splits into several different things, and the dark of the workshop begins to light up with that seafoam, sickly spectral green all around Salem as she activates the Philosopher's Stone and her devices. We are gonna follow Val and that group as they return to Dr. Salem's workshop. And we see Victoria Salem rising from her desk, setting her tools down, and the Philosopher's Stone again, crackling and powering a lot of these devices which are now running in the workshop. And the camera is sort of cutting off at Victoria's shoulders, and she's put the mask she'd been wearing this evening down on the desk, finally having taken it off. And we cut to the back of the room, the door opens, and Val, you're walking in with the group. Victoria runs over to you, if you don't stop her, she throws her arms around you. I think Val is like also when she's walking in, she's like pulling her gloves back on and like readjusting them. Mm -hmm. So she's really not expecting Salem to hug her. Yeah. And when she does, she definitely freezes for a split second. We see you frozen there and you know, we hear her voice in your ear. I'm so sorry, we had to secure the prize. I knew you wouldn't crack, you did so well. We are set to do amazing things, Val. The score tonight is gonna change everything for us. And as she holds you in that hug, our camera rotates around the two of you, where we see Victoria without her mask. A sinister, permanent grin of sharpened, shark-like teeth fill the lower half of Salem's face. Her entire lower jaw and voice box have been replaced by artifice. And as she hugs you and continues to whisper gentle reassurances, we see from our vantage a darkly confident look in her eye. Someone who knows their greatest weapon 
is their ability to manipulate other people. And that's where we'll end our session. So juicy. Yo! <laughs> Yo! So I'm not going to victim blame Val, but sure knows how to choose him. I, <laughs> okay, to be fair, I don't think I knew about this like life-draining bit. I don't remember if I talked to Natalie about this. Nope, you did not. Bro! <laughs> oh, this is going to hurt so bad. God. And Val still doesn't know yet. She really doesn't know. Keep her secrets. <laughs> oh, shit, man. Oh, this is gonna hurt so bad. Yep. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> this isn't normal, is it? Oh, this poor son of a bitch. <laughs> Just kill Salem right now and save us the trouble. Yeah, seriously. Oh, my God. <laughs>